Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, however, wherever, and whenever you're listening to us. We thank you so much for tuning into the Fantasy Impact Today Network. This, of course, on Saturday is one of my favorite shows of all of them, the John Frisella Show here on the Fantasy Impact Today Network, where me, Wes Easley, is joined by John Frisella. John, it is a pleasure to sit down and have a Saturday cup of coffee with you every Saturday morning. Yes, it's absolutely my pleasure, my friend. I'm on my second one already, so we're we're 10-11 uh, Eastern time right now. And this is my second one. This feels like a day where I might go for four or five because we got a lot on the plate today. Really? I, I, I wondered about this and you can follow John on Twitter at legend sports seven Oh Twitter. Don't forget to follow me as well at loafing it on Twitter. John, I, I wonder, is there, is there a place like for you where you go by and all the older men are sitting down together at a table and drinking coffee in the morning? Do they, Cause I see it in, in movies and stuff where like a lot of older guys that are retired or whatnot are sitting outside on a sidewalk and they're, they're just shooting the breeze talking about sports. Is there, is there a place like that near you? Uh, not exactly like that, but what there is, which is similar to that is there's an old man softball game that goes on like throughout the year, even in the coldest weather that you wouldn't expect. And they play every weekend, like down the block, not too far from where I am. Um, so it's a similar to that. And it's a group, it's a pretty decent group. It's like, uh, it's like 20 guys or so. And they play all the time and, and it's, they're, they're old enough that, you know, my dad is 65, 66. And these guys are a lot older than him. And my dad doesn't play cause he feels bad cause he's too young for them. So, uh, that, that is, that's basically the version of the guys with coffee and they got their coffee and whatnot sitting in the dugout. Some of the guys coach, some of the guys play. So yeah, that, that's our version of that over here. Oh, that's very cool. Uh, for me, every, and I'm a red man. So it's the same group of guys at different restaurants. And now with COVID, uh, they're, they're not able to meet inside the restaurants like that as much. Uh, so they, they kind of went all time to Jack's Chick-fil-A down here was real popular with the older guys. Some of them go to Hardee's. They all have their own little groups that they go with, you know, that they've always been running with forever around Decatur. And it's so cool to see that. Now I have a vision of me doing that one day as well. If, I, I guess as you get older, you get up earlier too, or something. I don't, I'm not sure if that's right. Well, you would know better than I would because, uh, you know, you got the kids and it's probably it's probably a function of that. And also, you know, I think a lot of people, they, they have more to consider uh, in their mind as they get older. And that and that's what happens. You know, it takes a little time before you go to sleep. You go, well, I got this on the checklist tomorrow. I got about 20 items on the checklist. When you're younger, as you know, we just kind of, you know, we go to school, we play our sports and that's it. We conk out. So I think, you know, but for sure, you definitely lose a little bit of sleep. It could be what you're thinking about or it could just be the age itself. It's hard to say. Do you, how do you drink your coffee? Are you, I mean, like I could see you being like a strong, robust kind of a coffee flavor guy. Yeah. Oh yeah. I go for that for sure. I try to mix it up. Like I do like, uh, cause I use the Keurig at home. Um, I do like a lot of the Starbucks ones because it kind of tells you what's in the blend. So you can, you can test yourself a little bit and see if you actually, you know, they claim all this stuff that they put in there, all this magical stuff. And uh, you can kind of test it out and see if you taste it. So I do like those. And I, you, if anything, I just do one sugar. Uh, or zero, zero or one sugar for me. Yeah, I, I like mine straight black. I go straight black and I put ice in my coffee. I don't know if you do that there. I like to be able to drink my coffee. I don't want to sip it. I want to drink it. I'm not here. I'm not a sipper. I'm not a sipper, John. <laughs> well, I'll tell you the way it is here. You know, it's dependent on the weather, right? So, you know, things have changed a lot over the years. I, I always tell people this around here. I remember when I was in elementary school that around like the end of March and early April, 
the sun would come out. I mean, we'd have a couple of days of rain, but it would get a little bit warm. And then also on the flip side, when it got to October, it got pretty cold. Now it's completely different, right? So it's dependent on the weather. October is like the summer here. It's still like 60-something degrees. It's beautiful. November can be very nice all the way to the end of the month, which it wasn't when we were kids. So for me, as far as the coffee goes, you know, the warmer the weather is, the more I'm still going with the iced. Even if it's, you know, late November, if the weather's still nice, I'm going with the iced. Now we're just starting to get a little bit colder. We're getting into the 30s now. Um, so I'm back to the hot coffee. But as long as the weather's warm, I'm with you. I'd rather go with the iced coffee. No, 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 no. I'm not talking about iced coffee. I'm not an iced coffee guy. I want hot coffee. I just don't want scalding hot coffee. I, so I put ice in there to cool it off. And actually, I put ice in the mug before I put my coffee in the mug, right? So then as it cools off, and when I pour it in there, it's cooling off the entire liquid, right? It, it, oh, it's perfection, the perfection. I like to gulp my coffee. I'm a gulper. Hey, John. You're, you're doing your own thing, Wes. You're, you literally think about it. Think, think about all the brands out there and all the different uh, places that sell coffee. Either they do one or the other. Either you drink hot or you drink cold. You're making your own brand in there. Maybe with these mugs, with this, uh, the giveaways we do with the mugs, maybe there's a Wes-style coffee that we could sell in there. Well, I asked the Starbucks people. If I ever go there, and I'm not a Starbucks guy, I just don't want to pay that much. But maybe for a cup of coffee, it's just a cup of coffee. Come on, I'd rather stop in a gas station and get something that's been sitting there for three hours myself. That's just me. That's just me. <laughs> so when I go to Starbucks, though, if I happen to be going to Starbucks, I'm with somebody, and they go to Starbucks, and I'm like, yeah, 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 just give me a, a something black. Just, just give me a regular old cup of coffee. And and the Starbucks people look at me like I'm strange, because like, I don't want all this frou frou stuff in my coffee, right? And and then I say, can you put a little bit of ice in there? I don't want oh, – you want iced coffee, sir? No, I don't want iced coffee. I just want a little bit of ice in there to cool it off because your coffee is so hot. I can't actually drink it until I'm already home. It's, it's, it's purposeless. It's purposeless. And then they look at me, and, they, and I say, just take some, take some ice in your hand. Put it in the coffee to cool off the coffee. And then they look at me, and I realize I'm asking somebody with blue hair – with with piercings all over the place to uh, understand what I'm asking them to do with the coffee. And then I'm like, I don't even know. I, I don't even know. Just never mind. Just give me the regular cup of coffee and it'll be fine. I had a vision of you walking in with a checklist of all your demands for your coffee because it's it's difficult for you to explain it to them. So you're like, this is a layout of what I'd like with my order today. That was the vision I had. Yeah, I know. And I, I ask them to put a little bit of ice in there to cool off the coffee, and they don't understand what's going on. And then the next person behind me comes in, I want a triple-double cafe latte with uh, skim milk on top, and they, and they act like it's absolutely normal. And I'm, it doesn't make any sense to me. How am I the weird one? How am I the weird one? Oh, uh, you got your own brand. You got your own brand, my friend. What nah, can I we got to go over the NFL standings here real quick just to take a look at them because I think that they're very interesting. And, of course, right now the playoffs are right around the corner. If you're not in the fantasy playoffs, maybe your team is still in the hunt for the regular season playoffs. So, John, let's start out there in your NFC West. You kind of adopted that with your San Francisco 49ers. And they're at the bottom of the of the standings right there at 5-7. and seven. The Cardinals are at 6-6. Six and six. Seattle. Eight and four, and those Rams that you picked at the beginning of the year, I think, to go to the Super Bowl are sitting there at nine and four. Yeah, so I did pick the Rams before the season. Uh, it, the way I feel about them is they're going to need to, first of all, try to find a way to get this by, right? They need this by because they're the type of team we've seen all year where they look tremendous and then they just look okay the next game. It's not, it's not that they go completely and the wheels fall off and it's a mess. It's not that bad. It's just that they don't look the same every week. So for me, for a team like that to back up what I said, and remember, they didn't make the playoffs last year. So that was a pretty bold prediction to put them in the Super Bowl. 
for me to say that, I, I need to feel comfortable with them getting a free win at the beginning of the playoffs. So that's my hope for them if they're going to back me up and face the Chiefs in the Super Bowl, which would be a replay from a couple of years ago. So, uh, you know, so it's something along those lines. So for the 49ers at the bottom of the division, this was the key this past week against the Bills. Uh, they didn't get there, right? So the, uh, it's clear that the Bills are a very special team uh, and the 49ers did not match up. This Remember, the 49ers defense had a monster game against the Rams a couple weeks ago. They looked like they were going to lean on the defense to make a run. Uh, that didn't happen here. The Bills picked them apart. Josh Allen making that late MVP run. So yeah. I'd, say, I'd say my 49ers are done, which I'm not surprised because when Kittle and Garoppolo went down at the same time, plus they already didn't have Bosa, I pretty much ruled them out. I was just hoping that they would have a chance to maybe get lucky and win a few close games. But uh, yeah, I mean, look, Seattle comes down to defense for them. We know that. And Arizona, since Kyler came down with the shoulder injury, they're not the same team. So I would say it's the Rams and the Seahawks running to the finish line here. Yeah, I do too. And with you talked about the inconsistencies with the Rams. Uh, it's, I think that running game, now that they've got Cam Akers back there and they're just went ahead and said, okay, guy, you're the guy. 30 carries a game or whatever it is. You're getting 30 touches a game. We're putting everybody else on the sideline. I think that's going to be able to solidify that offense a little bit better from being up and down like that. And that's going to add that play action pass to uh, Jared Goff's repertoire. Yeah, well, it goes to my old saying, right? You got to go only at that position. Running back, you got to go with the fresh legs and the bounce. It doesn't matter who got you there unless you have a bell cow. Right, unless you got a Derrick Henry, you know, one of the one of the elite or Dalvin Cook, which there's not that many of those guys anymore anyway. You gotta ride the guy who looks like when they hit the hole, they're gone. So right now that's Akers, and as much as we said early in the year, Henderson was looking good, and Malcolm Brown's been a good backup all along. That's all he is, is a backup. Right. So I mean, I think now Akers is that guy who has the burst and you gotta ride it. You never know when that may change. He could get tired or or another guy could get tired. So you always gotta keep an eye on how they look each game. The Saints are on top of the NFC South. They have clinched a the division right now at this point at 10 and 2. Tampa Bay Buccaneers are at 7 and 5. The Falcons are at 4 and 8 and the Panthers are at 4 and 8. Do you see any of these guys like the the Falcons, the Panthers? These those guys are going to start throwing in the towel pretty soon, aren't they? Yeah, well Carolina, if you saw early in the week, some of the chatter sounded like maybe McCaffrey would play very early in the week. Then all of a sudden you know, they have a couple of meetings behind closed doors and they say, what are we doing here? Right. We're four and eight. We're going to need him going forward, uh, you know, in future years, not this season. So what are we doing? Maybe we should just uh, say it's, it looks a little bit worse than it is. So he, he won't be playing. So for sure, they're throwing it in. Uh, Atlanta's given a good fight, but I, at this point, there's nowhere else to go for them. So they're finished. And I mean, look, the story of the whole division is for sure Tampa Bay. Here's the problem, right? It all comes down to one thing. I don't know what JB says at Fantasy Coach JB, who is a big Bucks fan, Jared. Um, yeah, I don't know what he says, but my I can tell you this. It's all about the offensive line, and I said it that before the year. Brady ain't going anywhere. When the pressure's there, he's not running out to the right. He's not making any types of tap dances to get away from the pressure. If you get pressure right in his face, especially at his age now and on a new team with a new coach, he's going to just chuck that thing up there and see what happens, and I've never seen so many careless mistakes from him, and it's all because he doesn't want to get hit and he wants to continue his career. So the, so if this offensive line doesn't get better, get stronger and more consistent, uh, I don't think Tampa's going anywhere. That's really the story of the division. Yeah, to me, I told JB this as well. They just need to go ahead and do the same thing that the Rams did and just give Rojo 20 to 30 touches a game. I mean, you just mm -hmm. have to. That guy is so talented. He's mm -hmm. the most elusive player on the squad, in my opinion, on the offensive side of the ball. And and you can't. there's no reason to give Fournette any kind of touches at all unless it's giving Rojo a little bit of a break. 
I agree 100%. Yeah, well, look, you and I, we're old school football guys, man. You got to run the rock. I don't know. I don't know if it's my background, right? Like, for example, with the Jets, the best teams that I've seen locally, we had Curtis Martin, right? Remember, we pounded the mm-hmm. rock with Vinny oh, yeah. Testaverde, Curtis Martin. So uh, we had a lot of success that way. Then think about with Rex Ryan and Mark Sanchez. Uh, we protected the quarterback. We knew he would make a lot of mistakes. So we had to run the ball out with Thomas Jones and LaDainian Tomlinson. That also was great. So in my local experience, when you run the ball, your team has success. You can control the clock. You can keep pressure off a lot of positions. And also when we look around the league now, like we say, all these young, smart coaches, they know how much of a factor that has to be. Matt LaFleur using Aaron Jones, Mike Vrabel with Derrick Henry, Kevin Stefanski with Kareem Hunt and with Nick Chubb that go on and on down the line. Even Sean Payton, who's not a young coach, but is one of the best coaches. He knows I got to use Kamara. I got to use Murray. I got to run with Taysom Hill. I have to keep pressure off the skill position. So it's, it's the way to go. And I agree. Ronald Jones is very solid. I put Ronald Jones in the top 13 or 14 running backs in the whole league. So I agree with you, pal. It also has a trickle-down effect. We've always heard the offensive line loves to run block instead of necessarily pass blocking every single time because they're they're able to use their inertia and just pow, start plowing ahead. So it adds a little bit of toughness every time you can run the football. Plus, if you're able to milk that clock, it gives your defense an opportunity on the sidelines to be able to rest. And if you go three and out, three and out, three and out, you're, the defense has no shot at all to be able to go back out there and stop the other team. So I think it has a big trickle-down effect throughout your whole ball club whenever you're able to run the ball. The New Orleans Saints have not clinched uh, the division. They have clinched a playoff spot is what it is. The New York Giants are sitting on top of the NFC East at 5-7. and seven. The Redskins are the, I'm sorry, the Washington football team. That's been like twice in the last three weeks, and I don't think I did that all year long for a long time because it was so. But the Washington football team are at 5-7. and seven. The Philadelphia Eagles, 3-8. and eight. And the Cowboys at 3-9. and nine. Is that still anybody's division, John? Uh, it's not anybody's division, and I'm happy with the way that it shook out, right? So I look at this division. I was smiling as you were going over the four, the four teams. The two teams that deserve to be at the top are there now. Right. We we said it all year. The Giants had a lot of close losses early on. But in the three facets of the game, they're making themselves competitive. And to me, that's the ultimate goal of a team. Right. If you're a front office, I try to look at it that way because I'm never going to be an on the field guy. If I'm a front office and I look at my team and I say, look, let's be honest, let's look at the 16 teams in the NFC. There's a lot of good teams out here. The only way we're going to make a run with our roster this season is if we make ourselves competitive in every facet and every particular game and every quarter. Let's compete, compete, compete in all three facets of the game. So that's what the Giants have done, and they hung around long enough now that they're in tied for first place. Let's put it that way at five and seven. So they belong. And then, of course, Washington, they've been through a lot, right? Washington, their head coach has can- got cancer, right? Uh, they go to Al- Kyle Allen, a quarterback. He goes down for the year, and he was playing pretty good ball. They bring in Alex Smith, who finally got cleared after a couple of years of being off. He comes in and does a solid job. They've been through a lot. They've been through the ringer. They changed the name of the team. There's a whole thing going on with them this year. Those are the teams that have played hard and stuck with it and try to find their identity, and they deserve to be at the top. Whereas we know I've been screaming at the Cowboys all year for a lack of effort and major inconsistency and bad coaching, like the worst combination of things you could have. And then Philadelphia, who just cannot figure it out, they don't make the right changes, and it, it looks like they may even be heading toward making a coaching change in the future as well. So I think it's the right way now with the Giants and Washington up top. 
Yeah, and the Giants of Washington. Uh, Giants have a carrying a four-game winning streak, and the Reds-Washington football team did it twice in one three wins in a row. All right, so uh, we got that. And the Eagles, by the way, four losses in a row. NFC North, the Green Bay Packers are sitting there on top nine and three. The Minnesota Vikings at six and six. The Bears at five and seven, and the Detroit Lions are there at five and seven, pushing my Bears into last place. Six losses in a row for the Chicago Bears, John. Six losses in a row for the Bears. We're not too surprised by that. No. Um, it's a little bit of a mixed bag, right? Because I, I still think they look better with Trubisky in there, even yeah. though they're losing every game. But I think it goes back to what you said, right? I, I like to defer to the local guy, the guy whose team it is. You feel that maybe this defense has quit on the coach more than they normally would just because they don't like him. You know, this is a defense that we used to be able to rely on. Now you got Montgomery, who's red hot offensively. He's finally coming into his own. Trubisky's moving the ball. Allen Robinson's had a couple of big fantasy games. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's almost like the script has flipped, and now we can't rely on that defense because we're not seeing that effort. Uh, They're looking for a coaching change. So I think that's been the problem for them. Um, But, hey, man, how about my Minnesota? They're in the last playoff spot in the NFC because they belong there. That's why. They're they're a well-rounded team. They're six and six right now in the third wild card spot, um, and I think they're going to keep climbing because again, it's it's personnel. It's Kirk Cousins. I've said it once. I'll say it again. Is very underrated. Go go look. How about this stat? Oh. I was having an argument uh, on the side. One of my friends pulled up a tweet of mine where I said people would get mad if I said Kirk Cousins is better than Matthew Stafford, and they did. They the Lions fans immediately jumped on me, etc. And in my personal chats. And my cell, someone sent a screenshot of that, and they started jumping on me as well. They're going, Kirk Cousins is garbage. So here's a short thing. I immediately pulled up the all-time leaders in quarterback rating. Kirk Cousins is the sixth-rated quarterback in the history of the NFL. How do you feel about that? Wow. <laughs> that, that's, I wouldn't have thought that he was that high, for sure. I, I do think he can have his ups games, and he can have his down games, and his lows are pretty low. But he can turn that around in just a matter of a football quarter. You know what I mean? Like he could have a terrible first half and all of a sudden the second half he's, he's money again. And I've seen that many a time on whenever I'm going up against him, because usually Kirk cousins doesn't end up on my fantasy squad, but whenever I'm going up against a team that has Kirk cousins, I'm like, Oh no, Kirk cousins. And then I see that he's off to a bad start and I'm going, all right, I got this one in the bag. And then all of a sudden the second half, he's got 30 fantasy points and I'm going, what in the world just happened? Right. You know? So I think Kirk cousins is one of those guys who has a short memory, which I can appreciate, right? And and Matthew Stafford, unfortunately, does not have that run game that we talked about to lean upon because they're just, they just go through so many different running backs like water there in Detroit. So I think that really helps out Kirk Cousins. But yes, I think he's an underrated quarterback. Yeah, I mean, if you if you think about it, there are only a certain number of real superstars, electric guys, uh, you know, franchise type players at the quarterback position. There's only a few. And those are the guys that they can come out of the gate fast because they have not only the talent, they have the supreme understanding uh, from the preparation that they do and understanding the other team's defense of what they're trying to accomplish, right? So if you eliminate those guys, the Mahomes and the Russell Wilsons and the the very, very short list Aaron Rodgers uh, up there, right? Now you're getting into guys that maybe they need to feel their way around a little bit in the game. And that's Kirk Cousins, right? He needs to see that he has bad first quarters. He needs to see, what, okay, what's the alignment? What are they trying to do on third down? different situations. What are my guys trying to do against their defenders in the one-on-ones? He needs to get all that information. And that's why he's a really good second half quarterback. Like you said, he, he really figures it out and he's got the big, strong arm. He made a couple of throws in the second half against Jacksonville. I said, whoo, that baby had some smoke trail on it. 
Um, so yeah, he's, I like Kirk Cousins a lot for who he is. And I always support the guys that are unfairly treated. I don't care what team they're on. If they're on my own team or a team I really don't care about, like Minnesota, still, he gets a bad rep. He's not a top five quarterback in the league right now, but he is always consistently top 15, which is a very hard thing to do. It's the hardest position in the world. So I support him. Yeah, and the teams that he's been on in the past really surprises me whenever you give me that stat of all-time things because he's just yeah. – he hasn't been on great teams. So he's had to make some uh, – what, 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 make, make uh, uh, a great dinner out of chopped liver? Is that what something <laughs> like that? That's what he does. He has, you know, now, nowadays it's a little different, obviously, because they have the three superstars, right? That's sure. at this point, Jeff, Jefferson has turned himself into immediate superstar at the at the wide receiver position. So you got Jefferson, you got Thielen, you got Dalvin Cook. So it's a good mix. That's why I like this team this year in the first place. Um, but overall, yeah, there's been some years like with Washington, he had no weapons and he no put up weapons. big stats. So we yeah. give him a lot of credit. AFC West. Let's start down here. We have the Los Angeles Chargers at three and nine, which I, I, that that record seems very strange to me. They have a lot more losses than I would have anticipated them having even before I looked at it. Right now, you know, if you ask me, I'd say, oh, they probably got five or six wins, you know. But no, three and nine. Denver Broncos sitting there at four and eight. The Vegas Raiders at seven and five, and the Kansas City Chiefs, who I believe have also clinched a playoff spot, are sitting there eleven and one. John, they have won their last seven games. They are definitely on their on their way to another Super Bowl uh, appearance anyway. Yeah, I mean, look, uh, look I'm not going to put the Kanahara. I'm not going to give them the bad jinx, but the only way these guys aren't going to win is if something happens to Mahomes. I got to tell you straight up. I mean, that's, that's the reality. The Chiefs are winning it all. If Pat Mahomes is healthy, you're not going to beat them. Let, you, let, me, let me refresh everybody's memory. I know we have a short memory in football from week to week and from uh, month to month and year to year. Right. Let me refresh your memory. This is a team that was down four scores in their first playoff game last year against the Houston Texans. Four scores in the first half getting blown out and everybody was in shock. And not only did they come back and win, they won by more than 20 points. Talk about this team has seen it all at this point. Did they did the 49ers give them a heck of a run in the in the Super Bowl? Yes, they did. Guess who came out on top? The Chiefs. Right. This is they've seen every scenario. They can blow you out. They can come from behind. They can play tit for tat back and forth the whole game. They've seen every scenario. They're not going to lose if Mahomes is healthy and Andy Reid is healthy and he's doing his thing and Bienemy's doing his thing with the offense. As long as they get a little bit of pressure on defense, no one's beating these guys. That's the reality no. of the situation. And there's no pressure on them. And that you can tell the way they play the game, there's no pressure on them. I hope they're they feel a little bit of pressure come playoff time because mm-hmm. it, me personally, they look like they're playing a little too loosey goosey out there. You know, it, it just doesn't seem like they're taking the game that serious. And uh, maybe come playoff time, they'll they'll be like, this is what we've been waiting for. You know, you know that's a, that's an interesting point because I used to feel that way about the Warriors before they had Durant. Right with with because Steph Curry and Mahomes, if you look side by side with the mannerisms of these guys when things are going well, they are they're very loosey goosey. They like to celebrate, do a little bit of this. Now I think Mahomes is is far and away a much better athlete than Steph Curry. That's just me. That's yeah, a conversation but, for another day. But well, they they had that Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill do that backflip and stuff. I'm like, oh come on, man. That's you know that's that's like I said, that's loosey goosey. It's like they're practicing out there. Right. The only difference is their first shot at playing in the championship, they took it down. They won. Now, that's what that's what the difference from the Warriors is, and that's what the comparison was. Mm. I felt they were too loose, and I felt that they were susceptible. Right. We'll get into it. Maybe we'll do an NBA pod or something like that. But mm. I felt that old Warriors team with Durant was susceptible to losing in the long run, and they were doing too much celebrating, and they were acting as if they already won. And as a matter of fact, we know that's true, that they ended up losing to Kyrie Irving in Game 7 with the big three-pointer. 
um, they were too confident. So I do see the similarities. The only difference is I have a lot more faith in the Chiefs in the end. Okay, I think so too. In the AFC North, the Cincinnati Bengals at two, two and nine. The Ravens are at seven and five. I had them penciled in for just one loss. John, the, uh, Lamar Jackson has really taken a step backwards. I, I think I want to say Lamar Jackson has. I don't know if it's the entire team or what. The Cleveland Browns at nine and three, and the Pittsburgh Steelers are sitting there eleven and one after suffering their first loss last week. Most interesting division right now, right? Uh, I mean, all year it's been the NFC East, and uh, we'll give them that crown. Uh, over there, but in the AFC, the most interesting division is right here. Um, here's the thing. The Ravens now have turned it back to last year, which is Lamar, when when in doubt, just run this thing. You're going to fake the handoff, right? It's an option play. Just hold on to it and run right down the middle of the field, which is what happened this week, right? 50-yard rushing touchdown. He was gone in the blink of an eye. Um, they're, they're turning back the clock. They're going to say, well, all year we try to protect them. We didn't want him to take hits. Uh, we need him to settle into the pocket and get a better understanding underneath center. Um, okay, fine. But now it's winning time. So I'm going to go ahead and say they will get in, right? I do think that Miami has been good and competitive all year, uh, but Miami and Indianapolis are a lot more susceptible long-term for the remaining four games of the year than Baltimore. So I, I do think Baltimore gets into the playoffs and either Miami or Indian- Indianapolis drops out. Now, in this division, and this was a, a funny tweet, but I was serious, you could argue that the Pittsburgh Steelers at 11 and one are the fifth best team in the AFC. You can uh, argue. How, how do you feel about that? No, I, when you said that, I was like, Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, and because I, I'm not that impressed by them offensively. Once again, they need a running game and, mm-hmm. and I, you cannot count on the passing game, especially in the playoffs. If I'm looking at the playoff pitcher, right? You can't count on the passing game in the playoffs especially if you have home field advantage in Pittsburgh, that's going to be really rough. And those guys have got the dropsies. They don't want to catch everything that comes their way. And mm-hmm. so whenever I look at that, I, I agree with you. I could put Kansas City above them pretty easily. Yep. I, I want to say that I, I think the Tennessee Titans could actually beat the Pittsburgh Steelers. I think the Indianapolis Colts could beat the Pittsburgh Steelers. We, we know the Buffalo Bills can beat the Pittsburgh Steelers. And, and so whenever I look at that, I do think so. And I might even say, that the, the well the Browns the Browns could beat the Steelers too John and I would have an outside shot at the Raiders beating the uh, Steelers as well that well I I definitely was thinking the Browns right so for sure I got the Chiefs number one I mean for what I've seen Buffalo is the second best team in the AFC I mean talk about an underrated coach McDermott I I was talking about this with somebody via text the other day I mean the guy made the playoffs with Tyrod Taylor as his quarterback. Uh, he's done some weird, you know, he had Nathan Peterman playing a couple of games. They even made the playoffs that year. Now he's got himself a quarterback that they've been working with so diligently for three years. Now he's emerged into a legitimate superstar and, and just watch how easy it is for them to drive because of the variety that they have right now. They're, they're not great defensively. They're average, right? They have, they've had some good games. And one thing I'll say about them is if they get in a tight one, they seem to be able to get a turnover late in the game when they need it defensively, even if they had a bad game. So I will say that they have like a, a last-ditch emergency stop in them. Uh, but overall, the defense is average. But offensively, I mean, it's like a machine because they can get the first downs running the ball. They use the two guys. This past week, they went a little bit more in Singletary. But it's the quick passing attack. It's the option. And the thing with Allen is you never know at this point when he's going to hold on to it and when he's going to throw it. And you also never know when he's going to go deep and when he's going to go to the sideline. So I've seen a lot of plays where they have him roll out to the right the defender's worried, oh, is he going to run? 
Is he going to go for 15 yards here on the ground? Then he fakes, he pump fakes to the guy underneath, and then he throws it downfield. If you saw it this week, Gabriel Davis, he's wide open because they're worried about the three levels. Is he going to run it? Is he going to go intermediate or is he going to go deep? So I feel like Buffalo has it all figured out right now. So they're number two, right? So I got Kansas City, Buffalo. Tennessee, based on their experience last year and the fact that we know that Rabel likes to outsmart people, which he did in the playoffs, and we know we got Derrick Henry in our back pocket. I mean, I feel pretty comfortable with them. So that's three. And I think that fourth team is Cleveland. I'm not saying they're better than Pittsburgh, but I think they're even because I like the way they run the ball. And here's the key difference. The Pittsburgh guys have been there before, and there's always a chance you can get somewhat complacent. Uh, Mike Tomlin and Roethlisberger, they've been there before. They've won. I know it's an 11-1 year, but there's always a chance you could say, well, you know, maybe we lose the hunger for a quarter here and there. The Browns haven't been anywhere. So the Browns are coming in with a lot more energy and a lot more, this is our time, we're finally good. So it's it's a tricky situation right now in the AFC. Yes, it is. Uh, we got the Jaguars sitting there at 1-11 competing against your Jets, by the way, who we'll get to in a minute. <laughs> and the Jag- Jaguars have lost 11 in a row. They, I forgot they won that first game, John. I forgot. Houston Texans are at 4-8, and eight. the Colts are at 8-4, and four, and the Titans are sitting there at 8-4 and four as well. Yeah, that's that's about the way it's supposed to be. I mean, not too much to say on this division. I, mm. I think I think Houston will get better going forward in future years because Watson right now has locked himself into the number four spot yeah. on my quarterback list, which he, he was always in my top 10, but now it's like, okay, I got Mahomes, I got Russell Wilson, I got Rodgers. That's always my one, two, three. Has been for a couple of years. Uh, that, now that number four guy is definitely Watson. He's been tremendous with the situation that they had with a poor team with a bunch of injuries and not great weapons, and Hopkins is gone. He's been great. So they'll be better in future years. It's not their time right now. Um, and I think Tennessee, ultimately, with that spanking they put on the Colts the second time, they made the statement for the end of this year saying, this is our division, even though we're both 8-4 and four right now. By the time we get to the finish line, it's going to be us, the Titans. So it's, I got the Titans up one, exactly the way it is. Titans, Colts, Texans, and the Jaguars. Hey, man, you ain't getting the first pick. My Jets are getting the first pick. Deshaun Watson may be number four in your quarterback rankings, but he's number one in my heart. I love that guy's passion. And speaking of your Jets, uh, well, let's start at the top. The Buffalo Bills are at nine and three. The Miami Dolphins are sitting there at eight and four. The New England Patriots are at six and seven on the outside of the playoffs for the first time in a long time. And it doesn't look like they're headed that way. But your New York Jets, you told me last week uh, or a couple of weeks ago that you uh, <laughs> that they are finding ways to lose and they are determined to make sure that it happens by putting matchups out there or doing anything and they found a way to lose last week they are 0 in 12 john and they gave up that big bomb at the end of the game and i can't believe the guy got fired i, w- I would have thought they gave him a raise uh, at the end of that game <laughs> well i can imagine how that went right with greg williams i if people were saying uh that this was like he was sticking it to them that basically he let this one go by um, but then behind closed doors, he's complaining, of course, because the guy's a winner. Greg Williams is a really good defensive coordinator. Yeah. Um, I'm concerned about that, to be honest, going forward. Not for this season, obviously, but I'm concerned that that's a guy you don't want to give up because I like the effort that he gets out of his defensive players. And there's a, a number of young defenders on the Jets that are coming up right now. Uh, I hope that they don't miss Greg Williams going forward in future years. So I'm a little bit disappointed about that. But hey, People should listen to this show, if any, if any other reason, than to listen to us talk about our own teams because we are we have proven to be experts on our own teams. You've been spot on with the Bears the whole time, and I we've been calling it left and right with the Jets. So you know, maybe you could say we don't know anything from a hole in the wall about these other teams, but if you want to talk about the Jets and the Bears, this is the show you got to listen to. So yeah, we're 0 and 12. 
Um, we're going to get there. We're going to do everything we got to do. And guess what? I'll sprinkle a little another one on top for you. Now, magically, Denzel Mims has quote-unquote personal issues mm -hmm. that he has to deal with this week. Every week, it's a new player who's one of our best players who can't play for a different reason. So you can't tell me it's not going on. No, I, I, I can't. I, whenever I see it, I giggle and I, I laugh about it. And, and how outraged. I mean, you can't be that outraged as a as a Jets fan because you kind of want them to lose at this point. Mm -hmm. But when you see the running backs come in and perform as well as they did, and now they're pushing Frank Gore out there again this week when it when it just doesn't need to happen. And you saw how well those backup running backs who were, by the way, very hungry to prove themselves, and mm -hmm. they did a fantastic job. <laughs> Case is going to give Gore another thirty touches. I feel like you had I feel like you had like a firecracker, right? And you had, you were lighting it right there cuz like as you were saying that, you know my blood pressure was escalating and my blood was boiling because I I I can't like you said, we need to lose. However, you also need to develop players at the same time. Now, both of these guys running behind the exact same line look like they could be legitimate players in the league and also legitimate fantasy studs, right? Ty Johnson I knew anyway. This is not out of left field. I saw Ty Johnson on the Detroit Lions, which you know from your division. The guy's fast. He's known for his electricity. He was a lot more physical than I anticipated running behind Makai Becton, who is the Jets' best player, the offensive lineman, who's been an absolute monster and a good draft pick by Douglas. Um, you know, he looked like he could be 100 yards a game. He was over 100 yards, no problem, without breaking a sweat. Then they bring in Adams, the second guy, who looked like uh, an Eddie George almost, right? Like, but a fast Eddie George because he's tall. He's tall and mm -hmm. thick. Not, yeah. He's not a normal body type. I mean, this guy was taking one-yard runs and turning them into 12 yards. He was fantastic. So you got two guys going in for 180 yards when, you know, and you know I love Frank Gore. Nothing against Frank Gore. Frank Gore is exactly, if you think about it, is exactly what he should be in the NFL. He should be your third-string running back who's also like a coach. So he still had a spot on this team, but the, it's all out of order. He's not the starter. These other two young guys should have been playing ahead of him. Get me all riled. I can't take it. I can't handle it. I know, John. Hey, for more riling up, make sure you check out John's article that he has uh, with Aaron Torres. And Aaron Torres, what is it? Aaron Torres, I know your blog spot, John Frisella blogspot.com is what uh -huh. your blog is, right? right. What's Aaron, Aaron Torres? Aaron Torres online, right? I'm Aaron. the lead columnist over there. I've been appreciating the comments and the questions I've been getting. Again, I was on with Bison Radio this week for the fifth straight week, and we're getting a ton of questions. So shout out to Jeff and Andy. Andy's been running the ship while while Jeff is covering games on the road. Um, and, and, and then Andy you made the John playoffs Celebrant. too, right? Andy made his fantasy playoffs too, right? Yes. Yep. Andy made it. He was one in five and then started listening to our advice and he made a run and made the playoffs. So I hope there's others out there like that as well that have been listening and, and kind of going along with us and hopefully made a run. So that's Aaron Torres online. You got the Bison radio. You got here with my man, Wes. You got John Frisella blog. And, uh, you know, I sleep like an hour too, once in a while too. Every once in a while, but uh, John, I, as we get into these games, I'm just going to warn you. My wife made some wonderful fudge, mm -hmm. and uh, I, I, I had the little bowl of fudge sitting right here by me, and the fudge oh. is kicking in. I can feel Ooh. it. I can feel the fudge kicking in. Homemade fudge, marshmallow stuff, whatever that fluff marshmallow is. You got the butter in there. You got the you got a bunch of sugar in there. You got the carnation evaporated milk, which is really just sugar again. You know, in that liquid form right there inside of there, and then you got a whole bunch of chocolate, cuz so. Wow, that sounds delicious. I, as you were doing that, it sounded like a really good commercial. So maybe you know, at the beginning of the show, if we have to do commercial, we'll find somebody where you could pitch their chocolate because that was very well done, my friend. That was excellent. Oh, thank you. 
Well, it's, it's the chocolate is kicking in. So as the chocolate kicks in, let's go to the Green Bay Packers at the Detroit Lions. This line hasn't moved much at all. The Green Bay Packers are favored by seven and a half points, John, and this game total is sitting there at 55 for us. Tell me your thoughts about this Green Bay-Detroit matchup where the Detroit Lions kind of look like they had a little shot in the arm last week against my determined-to-lose Bears. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I, I think that this is a, a game where Green Bay just goes crazy offensively. Yeah, yeah. I think in both facets of the game, uh, you know, Detroit was riding too high last week. There's no way they can duplicate that because I have Stafford on one of my teams that didn't do well. And I just kind of I like to keep guys. Right. That's another thing I do in fantasy. Like if we're doing multiple teams and you got your teams that are doing well and then your other teams, I like to keep guys and kind of monitor their progress, especially that's a two quarterback league what, uh, that I'm referring to and just see how it's going because it gives you context going into next year. So there's no way my point with Stafford is that he could duplicate a 400 yard performance. It's not, it's not happening. So I I'm with you hundred percent. I'm not going to even think too much about this. The second I looked at it, here's the two keys, right? Very simple. It's only 54% on the Packers. To me, that's a low number. When you look at Packers versus the Lions and the line went up a half a point on two sites and a point and a half on two other sites. So from seven to eight and a half. So you got to take the Packers to win this one by two touchdowns. I'm going to say maybe even 17. Um, that's, that To me, this is an easy pick. Look, sometimes it doesn't go your way, but as far as what's the logical and the right pick here, it's definitely Green Bay. Yeah, it is. I, I could see DeAndre Swift having a big game, too, if he's able to play this game and, and come off a concussion protocol, and I believe it's trending that direction right now at that point. But I could see this game going under as well. So I'm going to take Green Bay and under just because the under seems to be coming in every single game, every single week at this point. I, I don't know if that's because of backup players. I don't know if that's teams trying to you know say, hey, we got the playoffs coming up, or they're out of the playoff pitcher, so they got the backups in there now. I don't know what it is, but the under seems to be really, really hot right now. You know, it's a, it's a good point, and I can tell you honestly what I think it is, and I'm it, uh, I'm probably correct to be honest. It's if you remember the early portion of the season, if you saw like the Chiefs and the Texans open up the year on Thursday night football, uh, the defenses were way behind, way behind. I'm talking about guys wide open all over the field, and there were a lot of games like that early in the year because again, we're on a COVID off season. They didn't have the film study, and the, they didn't have the on field speed check that they normally get and get a sense of what's going on. And now, as it's the two things. It's that. The defenses have finally settled in. They've gotten enough tape on all the teams and enough reads on what they're trying to do. And, of course, the weather, as it gets a little bit colder, the passing, you're not airing it out as deep down the field. You're taking a little bit of air out of it. Um, so if you add those two things together, the defenses have caught up now in the film study and the weather. Now you're getting into the portion of the year where you're betting on those unders. Okay. All right. Well, I took Green Bay and the under. I think Green Bay is a breadwinner for sure. All right. Tennessee Titans are seven and a half points favorites against the Jacksonville Jaguars. The Mike Glennon red led Jacksonville Jaguars. And this game total sitting at 52. Oh, what are, you, are you drinking coffee? What are you doing? What? No, no, no. It went out. It went in and out for a second. The, yeah. Uh, okay. Let me the, say yeah. that again. Just in case, Tennessee Titans are favored by seven and a half points. The Jacksonville Jaguars uh, playing against the Jacksonville Jaguars in this game total is at 52 points, John. Yeah. Well, let's go back to what happened last week. Did you go back and check and see if Mike Glennon beat Kyler Murray? Did he, did he beat him in fantasy points? Uh, did he 18? No, he did not last week. No, because uh, because Murray had those uh, stellar passes to Dan Arnold 
for two yards, and then Dan Arnold take it to the house for like 60 yards, rumbling, stumbling, and bumbling, you know? So, no, no, he didn't do it. And Look, I, I was just – it's on my radar, man. It's on my radar. He's got to go – Kyler Murray's got to go against the Giants this week. I am really, really nervous now. I haven't dropped him yet. I haven't dropped him yet. You can't drop him. But, but anyway, yeah, so, I mean, Glennon has been competitive enough. Yeah. Uh, if you're looking at this right here, Tennessee's been putting up some big games where they're lighting up the scoreboard. You got to think exactly the way the percentages played out. Um, that it's exactly what you see here, which is 67% on the Titans. That's what you'd expect from the public. I would not be surprised if it's over 70 by the time we get to the kickoff. So with that being said, as competitive as Jacksonville has been with Glennon in there, it's not always pretty, but it's competitive. It's only 33% on them right now. It's a division game, which is another time where the lines tend to go toward the middle and you kind of get away from those seven and a half spreads and you get closer to three or four points when you get down to the final line, I got to go with Jacksonville here. They've been competitive enough to cover this spread. Um, they don't want to win, but they were pretty darn close last week against Minnesota. They went to mm -hmm. overtime. So, uh, yeah, I got I got to go Jacksonville. And uh, that, that over-under, I mean, it looks like the line went down about a half a point from 53 to 52 or 52 and a half. Um, it feels like it's going to be in the high 40, so it's going to be a slight under for me. Yeah, I'm leaning under on every single game, I think, this week. Whenever I was looking at almost every single game. Not this next one, though. And I'm going to take Jacksonville, and I would lean the under on that one as well. Uh, next one is Dallas Cowboys at the Cincinnati Bengals. And, of course, Andy Dalton's going back there to Cincinnati. Might be A.J. Green's last time in uniform for the uh, home stadium, right? So I, this is really a strange game whenever you think of all those narratives. And right now, this line has stayed pretty consistent all week long. And it's sitting right now at the Dallas Cowboys being favored by two and a half points. And this game total is sitting at 46. It went up one point. This feels like a game where the Cowboys do what they do best, which is clean up the garbage, right? They don't, they don't play well when they need to play well in a big game, like playing for the division championship or playing to get into the playoffs or playing on national TV. But here's a one o'clock game at Cincinnati that nobody cares about. Both of these teams are out of the race unless Dallas runs the table and Washington and the Giants fall off. Um, this just feels like a game where Dallas gets their fans excited again, right? They they come out and they take care of the trash uh, and they, they keep themselves in the race. Let's put it that way. Uh, so I am going to take Dallas because it's an ugly type game for them to win. And Dalton in the revenge game, not that it's revenge because they, it was a, a lot of money he made from Cincinnati and they took <laughs> care of him over the years. So I wouldn't call it revenge, but it's a return, right? A return to Cincinnati. So I'm going to take Dallas. This is their type of game. It's just the way that it feels, you know? Yeah, I, I could see that. I, I'm definitely taking the over in this one. I know I've been saying unders a lot, but 43 mm -hmm. points, John. That, that's a that's a really low, low total. Uh, and the, I know it's dropped half a point, half a point, but it just seems like these two teams don't have a very good defense, and uh, they'll be hanging around the goal line a lot. I, I just see this one going over. Yeah, that's a low number. I agree with you on that. I, I can tell you what it is, is, and a part of the reason I like Dallas as well, is they've been getting more of a pass rush lately. So if you get a pass rush on a, a practice squad quarterback like a Brandon Allen, that's how you get one of these ugly games where it's a lot of three and outs. So I can tell you that's what they're envisioning is you're going to see a lot of ugly one, two, three, let's punt and all of that stuff. Um, I, it is low. I, I got to go with the instinct with you. I, it just seems like at garbage time in the fourth quarter, that's where they'll get, they'll get over into the high 40s. So, yeah, I like Dallas and the over. 
Okay. Uh, and no weather conditions that I could see that are on the map at all. So I think we're all clear as far as the weather goes. And I will take Dallas as well in that game. I just think that they'll be able to uh, sneak that uh, win total out there. All right, Arizona. Speaking about Arizona, Kyler mm-hmm. Murray are going against the New York football giants that we talked about just a little while ago who are red hot. And this game seems absolutely crazy to me. I have no idea. I do not understand why Kyler Murray and the Arizona Cardinals are favored by two and a half points, John. This game total seems to be right about right at 46 in my brain anyway. What are your thoughts on this game? This is a trap. This game is a trap. Textbook, right? The line is at two and a half for Arizona, right? The average Joe Schmo better is going to say, oh, I got Kyler Murray against Daniel Jones. That's what the people normally think. When they when you don't dive into it very deeply, you think, I got the quarterback here. It's only two and a half points. Uh, the guy was an MVP candidate, probably not anymore, but I feel good about my matchup at the quarterback position. That's the sucker's play. That's what they're baiting you on. Uh, and I'll tell you why. The line hasn't moved a lot, and that means they want you to go there. When you see the line at two and a half open, and then you look at five books, and they're all at either two and a half or three, not a lot of action, not a lot of movement, they're saying, go ahead. Keep putting that money in on Arizona. Go ahead. Here's the breadcrumbs. Follow it all the way to your doom. So, uh, you know, I'm definitely, definitely taking the Giants. Let's go with our boys. We're rocking with the local boys. They need to win this game anyway to, to continue for the division title. It's only 38% on uh, New York. Uh, we like the way they've been playing defensively. They're getting a limited Kyler Murray. So uh, I got to take the Giants. I think they're going to, let's see, they're, they're going to win this one straight up. Uh, even though they're going to cover the spread as well. I take the Giants to win this game by about four points in the end. I will agree with you. I would want to lean the under on this because I can't see how Arizona is going to find the re- the uh, end zone very often here. And they, the Giants do have Daniel Jones listed. Our website has Daniel Jones listed as the starting quarterback, which is going to be good news for the offensive side of things for the Giants. So I will make it in my breadwinners here. I will take the Giants and the under as both breadwinners. As far as a, a technical pick, a good solid pick. I would agree that the Giants look like a breadwinner. I'm not sure yet. I'm not going to commit because we haven't gotten all the way to the bottom. Um, but in terms of the betting factors and the trap factor here, mm-hmm. it does look like a good play. Let me make one comment about Kyler, something I'm concerned about. I had a real good – I've been watching him all year because of my, my fantasy team that's won 11 in a row and just got the bye. He's been my quarterback, so I've been watching him very closely just to monitor week to week and get a sense. But the best look I got at him was against the Jets. Because I got to watch every single down uh, along with the other Sunday night games a couple against Seattle and a couple of those games. Um, here's my concern, and I pointed out early in the year. I don't think his deep ball is that great. I know people are going to have the image of the Hail Mary that he threw to DeAndre Hopkins that worked out beautifully. It was perfectly thrown, no doubt about it, on that one particular play. Also, a little bit of luck rolled into that play. But sure. my thing is, if you take away his running game, I like his instincts. I think he's got better instincts and better quarterback knowledge than Lamar Jackson if you're comparing the running quarterbacks. But I don't think his arm is really that strong in the intermediate throws. And I do see some throws that get in there and I go, I'm telling you, if he made that throw three, four more times, they'd be picked half the time, right? So that's the problem is now roll that all together and he's not not being able to scramble as much because of the shoulder. They don't want him to take the hits. That's another reason why I like the Giants. He's, he's pretty limited at this point of what he can do. And like you said, a couple of the big plays were just a short throw where the offensive skill player made the play on their own. It wasn't him. So I'm, I am concerned they're going to need him. I hope it doesn't linger into future years because they're not, I don't think they're going to make the playoffs at this point, but they need to get, get him a hundred percent with the shoulder and, and have that all around package. Otherwise I don't really see him as a pocket quarterback at all. 
No, and if they lose uh, this game here, that may put them, you know, on that downside of the playoffs, and it may make them really want to shut Kyler Murray down. To me, if you're a Kyler Murray owner, you just have to have those backup plans. And something that I've noticed, too, whenever I dig a little bit deeper into Kyler Murray, his average depth of target, right, was at an all-time season high this year. Maybe DeAndre Hopkins, maybe the Christian Kirk thing, Uh, but it it was about two, it was uh, just a little bit higher than it was in years past, but it was still at an all-time career high for him, which isn't that long. But now it's shrunk from around four and a half yards, 4.9 yards, yards per attempt down to two point something john yep yep I mean, that's, that's a great just, that's a great point spot that's spot that's a huge issue that's spot on so and when you see that it's just like whoa something's going on something's got to be going on houston texans are at my chicago bears and this game started out at pick'em it started out at zero you know nobody was favored but now the houston texans have been uh bumped up to being one and a half point favorites and this game total is sitting at 46 points right now john to me this is has that narrative you know of course of deshaun watson and mitch trubisky you know how the bears traded up to get mitch trubisky when when nobody else was taking a quarterback at number two by the way just just throwing that out there but right. I, I don't i you know whenever i look at this game i don't have a real good feel for it so i'm hoping you can lead me through here yeah, I absolutely will lead you through. I, I thought we'd be on the same page on this one. I was getting a good chuckle just looking at it over. Um, I mean, I, I feel that this game is going to rival the similar to what happened with Detroit for Chicago, which is the, the Bears are going to score, right? The Texans are, have been giving it up all year. They're going to let you get your yards and your touchdown, and you're, you're going to run up and down and feel pretty good about yourself. And I think the Bears are going to be in pretty good position late. And then it's going to, you know, based on the line and also what we know about these two teams and what their records are and the, the whole package. And we know if it gets down to winning time, yeah. I'm laughing just thinking about it. Mitch, something's going to happen. Mitch Trubisky is going to get blindsided. He's going to fumble. You know what I mean? The, and then Watson's going to get the ball and he's either going to score a touchdown or he's going to set up that winning field goal. So I think the line is perfect. But one thing is, I mean, you got to be screaming breadwinner here with the over. Is that a yeah. real number? Forty no, five and a half for the forty six. Talk to me, brother. No, I I got over. I as I said that to you, I was sitting there looking at that forty six point total, and I had looked at them before, and I I really honestly I thought that that would jump up or something today, like by ten points. Okay, <laughs> neither team has any defense whatsoever, so I am definitely saying breadwinner on that over. And whenever I think about this game a little bit more, and hearing you talk about it, and my heart is in this game, just to be honest mm-hmm. with you, because mm-hmm. I. Uh, the things I say about Mitch Trubisky, the one thing I think you can hear me say is that I really root, root for the guy, and I hate that he's locked into the system that he's in, and they tried to make him a pocket quarterback, and I think that's what happened to Lamar earlier this year, too, is they were yeah. trying to get him to concentrate on throwing from the pocket. I mm-hmm. root for Mitch Trubisky, right? I don't like where they drafted him, all those things. I root for Mitch Trubisky, and I love Deshaun Watson. I love his attitude towards football and the game and his passion and how he makes his team better. So my heart is really in this game uh, a tremendous amount, and so it's hard for me to pick a winner on this one, but I definitely am leaning towards Houston. Yeah, I I just feel like, you know, when it comes down to winning time, we know what to expect. But yeah, I do too. You know, I root for Mitch. I I like those underdog stories and the guys that everybody picks on. I mean, sure, he was a high pick in the draft, but the second he started making mistakes, everybody went down on him and, you know, they totally were going against him in every possible story that you read. So I I like to root for Mitch as well. I'm with you on that. Um, Look, fantasy-wise, David Montgomery's on the come up, coming on strong now. Allen Robinson mixing in some big games. So we like a couple of the guys on the Bears. Uh, A note, David Johnson got COVID. So you're going to have to try to use Duke Johnson, even though it didn't work out in those three games that he started in David's absence. If this game is going to be an over, which Wes and I expect, 
uh, you're going to get a decent price point in DFS on Duke Johnson. So give it a whirl, give it a try. And of course, you're going to use Watson. So that's that's four of you guys you might look at in that game. Oh, and definitely Cole Komet. If you haven't heard about Cole Komet taking over all the snaps as a tight end for the Chicago Bears and mm-hmm. being on the come up, as you would like to say, for yeah. the tight end position, he's definitely somebody that you want to get. He might be a fantasy winner for you, to be honest with you, uh, as the season goes on. So I know people struggle with the tight end position. Cole Komet, you can have security there. And honestly, I think Jimmy Graham is more of a problem than he was a solution in Chicago. It's always like that with Jimmy Graham. I, I don't know what the deal is. It was like the Saints made him a focal point because that's what good coaches do. They say, okay, here's a guy who's going to be a matchup problem. Uh, but remember, he was much younger and he was much more spry and he could do a lot more offensively. So that was a Sean Payton sighting. He said, I'm going to turn this guy into a weapon. Now, similar situation. That's what the Raiders did with Darren Waller, right? John Gruden said, look at this guy. What can we do in one-on-one matchups? However, for Jimmy Graham, when he went to other teams – They said, well, we have our own guys that we rely on, and you're just going to be a part of the team as opposed to a focal point. And a good football player is going to go along with that and not be a prima donna. But I think it's been very hard for Jimmy Graham. Yes, he continues to collect his paychecks as he moves from one team to the next. But I think when he realizes that the team sees him as a third or a fourth option, it gets under his skin and it it questions his effort as he goes forward. So I'm with you on that. And on Cole Komet, what I noticed what they're doing with him is they like to use the threat of the deep ball with Allen Robinson, Mooney, and all the, uh, Anthony Miller and all those guys. They like to play action, look downfield, but then when Mitch goes to his left, I noticed three or four times already, Cole Komet is the check down, not the running back. So he gets that check down, he catches the ball for like three yards, and then he takes it for 12 or 13. Have you been seeing that same type of formation, that situation? Yes, I did. And as I go back and I look at the, the, the game tape from you know weeks past, whenever I was looking at that, Jimmy Graham, you talked about the effort and he just, he was a revolving door for the mm-hmm. defensive lineman. He just let him go through. He wasn't right. blocking at all. And so Cole Komet being out there on the field a lot more right now might be a little bit of the reason why David Montgomery is able to run a little bit better because there's not a run stopper two yards behind the line of scrimmage. But yes, he's, he's the check down effect. The bad thing about it is defenses are going to catch on that they don't have to worry about the deep threat with the quarterbacks that the Bears have. So <laughs> it's it's funny because if you put Mitch, I was thinking about this during the week, if you put Mitch and Falls together the way they are right this second and you okay. mashed them together with a machine, yeah. you'd actually have probably a top 15 quarterback because I still trust Falls to deliver that deep ball. He likes to take shots and get it in the right spot, but I don't trust him on the intermediate intermediate throws because his arm is not strong enough and it's easy to get there before the ball does if you're the defender. Um, but Mitch is good on those intermediate ones because he's still got a strong arm and he could chuck that thing around. He's got a little bit of zip on it on those 10 to 15-yard throws. So if you put them together, you'd have a quarterback. But I want to go back to what you said, which is a really good point, which is the blocking, right? One of the things about fantasy coaches, and we have a lot of young guys and girls in the industry that are in their early 20s or they're just getting into it in their late teens, the fantasy stuff. They're only looking at the ball watching, right? As we would call ball watching, the guy's got good skills as a skill player. Uh, There's a lot more to it than that. And that's why you always got to watch out when you draft your rookies uh, in redraft leagues. You always got to watch, can this guy do enough as an all around football player? Can he be a blocker? Can he be like a Justin Jefferson who shows that he could do it all as a rookie? Or is he going to be a guy like a Rieger who could almost do nothing in terms of technicalities, even though he was a first round pick, he's bringing nothing to the table for Philadelphia. So Always consider that. Is this guy a real all-around football player, or is he just somebody who looks good when there's they're playing in shorts? You know what I mean? And not playing with the pads, and they don't have to do the technicalities. There's a lot more to football than just going up and catching the ball with nobody around. 
You sound like an old man, John. Uh, good words of wisdom, though, especially for dynasty things. That's that's very good words of wisdom. I believe that. And I, I, you know, I didn't spend a lot of time on Jalen Rieger, and I saw him for the first time last week, for mm-hmm. you know, really concentrating on him. And I was like, man, that guy is small. Well, I mean, yeah. this, he just I, I, if I'm drafting a wide receiver at that spot, I'm wanting DK Metcalf size. You know what I'm saying? Yep. And it it just it doesn't seem like he has the ability, the uh, physical ability, to be able to perform in that that manner. I just don't see what made them want to jump up and get a Rieger. I I just don't get that. Yeah, it's a fascinating uh, season the way that it's devolved all around for Philadelphia, and it just goes to show you how all these things are interconnected. I mean, in that spot. Like you said, if you wanted to go for a little bit of size and an equal level of talent, you could have taken Chase Claypool. He mm-hmm. went after Rieger. You could have taken Denzel Mims. He looks very good. That was a solid pick. Bigger, longer guys with long arms that can go up and get it at the high point. Um, and these, all these decisions add up to a three, eight, and one season like Philadelphia is having. It's not just one thing. It's a snowball effect. So good point. Uh, Denver at Carolina is the next game. I know you're going to chew this one up. I, I could just, I could tell <laughs> by looking at all this stuff of what you're going to say next, because this game has changed a little bit. We've had a lot of COVID issues. We've had a lot of injury issues with Carolina. Just this, this uh, Vegas has had to be just, just wetting their whistle on this game because they, they realize they're setting the public up for something on this one, John, in my opinion, the game total started out at 47 at the beginning of the week. It's dropped down to 44 and a half right now. And Carolina has always been favored this week. They started out at four-point favorites, but it's dropped down to three-point favorites right now. So this this Carolina team is favored by three, and the game total is at 45 and a half, and all the public everything, everything is coming in on Carolina, John. Yeah, I see what you're saying about the equation, right? That's the equation of the game. It's 73% on Carolina, and the line dropped. If you were to draw up a diagram of a way to find a winning bet, that's what it would be. It would be the opposite of where the public is, so 27% on Denver, and also what, what is the movement of the line. The line is going down in the direction you want it to go toward Denver. So you are 100% right about the equation. Now here's the problem that I have with this game. Denver just doesn't do the right thing. Just yep. do the right thing and give the ball to Melvin Gordon, who's been looking spry, like we've been saying, for a guy who took a ton of carries and a ton of hits at the goal line and bad blocking schemes with the Chargers in terms of their power running game when he was with them, he took way way more hits than he had to take, and they didn't keep him fresh. This is a guy who come in this year, he looks like uh, he's five years younger, right? Hmm. So if they just did the right thing and they dialed this game up the right way, which is let's go with the running attack, then we're going to work the play action off of that. We're going to protect Drew Locke, who, who wants to make mistakes, right? He's a quarterback. You watch him just like, he, does he want to throw the ball to the other team? Because it looks that way. Uh, you want to protect him. You want to run the ball. And the defense has been spunky. They don't want to give up. This is not like the Bears. We were talking about where their defense is ready to mail it in for the year. Denver's the opposite. They want to hang in every game. So if Denver had, if I was coaching or you were coaching this game, I would be right in there with the equation and say, I'm going to take Denver. Um, This is the hardest game on the board, though, because Carolina's overall structure of their team, the coaching and the way that they've played out is a lot better than Denver, even though their records are in the same area. Right. The the program for Carolina has been a lot better. Um, I'm just I'm just barely going to go with the factors of this game and take Denver because it's both of them lining up with the 27 percent. But I'm going to say I'm not confident. So I just want to be clear. This is not a breadwinner, even though it looks like a good betting play. I'd still be nervous that Carolina's in a higher class in their all-around situation than the Broncos are. 
Yeah, I, I mean, everything tells me whenever I look at the numbers, and like you said, oh. the equation is mm-hmm. to lean Denver. But yep. I like Carolina's football team just a lot better. They're just mm-hmm. better. They're better all around. They're at home. They they do have. I think Samuel is going to end up playing uh, in this game, so that adds a little bit extra offense to their to their repertoire there. But other than that, I wouldn't have known who their who their wide receivers were other than Robbie Anderson this week, and then CMC's down. I don't, I don't know. I, I don't know. Talking about it, I will lean Denver as well. And if anything, I would want to lean the under. I, I don't know why, but I would just want to lean the under because the under comes in every single game nowadays. Yeah, I mean, if you count up those injuries and the, the different COVID situations and the betting factors, that's why we're going to take Denver. Uh, just a note in this game, you might have my possible head coach in this game, the young offensive oh. coordinator for the Carolina Panthers, Joe Brady. I wouldn't be surprised. If the Jets were really smart, which Joe Douglas seems like he's smarter than past GMs that we've had, I wouldn't be surprised if they said, well, we got Trevor Lawrence. We got our young franchise quarterback. We're also going to need our young head coach to build upon. He looks like he fits the mold of the McVeighs and the Shanahans and the Stefanskis and the LaFleurs and the Vrabels and all those guys. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if that's the future head coach of the Jets if they want to go in that direction. Okay. All right. Let's see about that. All right. Next game, Minnesota Vikings at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. This game total has gone up two points or one and a half points. Anyway, it's at 53 right now. And the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are favored by seven points, John. Everybody's betting betting the over at this point. I don't know if all of a sudden it's going to go to the under, but 65% of the money's coming in on the over right now. And 61% of the people are taking Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. <laughs> you know where, I mean, this is like a joke to me. What is this, a layup line? Is this is this practice with the basketball team? I'm taking Minnesota all day. You're going to give me seven points with 39% of the public only taking Minnesota? People must be watching a different Tampa Bay team than we're watching. Tampa Bay has become a run-of-the-mill, average-type bottom playoff team. That's what they've become as the season's gone on. Uh, Minnesota's the opposite. They went from, what, one and five to six and six? With the upward climb, they might win this game straight up. By the way, now, you know, I try to limit the amount of times I toot my own horn, but I have to. I went I went 2-0 and on the fit picks against the grain, and I called it on the show, right? I called it. I said, I'm going to take Cleveland, and without knowing what you guys are going to do, all you guys are going to take Tennessee, and I'm going to win that game, which I did. And I said, I'm going to take Washington against a team that hasn't lost the game, and all you guys are going to take Pittsburgh, and I'm going to win that. This looks like one where... I think people are still going to take Tampa Bay. Maybe not you, because I convince you. Maybe you'll take Minnesota, but I think Minnesota may win this thing straight up. No, I I got I wrote Minnesota down before you even started talking because I that's definitely against the spread. And these are one of those games where I and I know Tom Brady played so well, and the Buccaneers beat the Green Bay Packers. That was a weird game, man. When you go back and you look at that game, that was weird because the Packers were coming out and just slapping the Buccaneers around. And Tom Brady was going three and out, three and out. Then all of a sudden, something weird happened. I don't know what it was. It was that Tom Brady, it was that uh, Aaron Rodgers little celebration that he did in the end zone, right? The inappropriate celebration, by the way, may I ask. (laughs) My my daughter was sitting there next to me. I had to cover her eyes, okay? I just didn't know what was going on. And... (laughs) Uh, and then all of a sudden, it just it just went south on him. And uh, it, so whenever I look at this, I think that this might be one of those games where Tom Brady comes out a little bit rusty, had an off week last week. They're banged up a little bit. Mike Evans is banged up every single week, it seems like, right now. But uh, unless they give the ball, like I said, if they change their repertoire and they give the ball a bunch of times to Rojo, 
I think that they could come out and really dominate this game. To me, in my opinion, they have to be able to run the football and they have to start running it now. Yeah, they do. I, I think that's a good title of the episode this week when we put it in the uh, show notes. I mean, run the darn ball in all capitals. I mean, if you really want to take it, the problem is when you have the weapons. That's the problem, right? We all know it. Everybody gets distracted by the flashy toys and the flashy weapons. Mm-hmm. So Godwin is excellent. He's really a technician. Mike Evans, as we said, he's been battling through injuries. He does a good job of of giving it everything he's got. And he's been really good in the red zone, not so good in the middle of the field. Then you add your Antonio Brown, right? Then you get a pop-up game here and there from Gronk. So you get all these weapons and you're Bruce Arians. And you're like, oh, I got all these guys. I got to chuck the rock around. Hey, man, play traditional football, and then use that balance and work off of it. I got to make a comment on the coaching here. I think Bruce Arians is very overrated. That's the, I think that's a big problem that this team has. I don't think he's identified what these young, smart coaches are doing nowadays. I don't think he's on the same wavelength of those guys. I think he's kind of stuck in, look at these shiny toys I got. I got to get the ball out to them, especially with my new quarterback, who's a Hall of Famer. Um, so they haven't gone it. They haven't approached it the right way. They have four games to correct it. But in the meantime, when you're giving us seven points and we got all these studs playing lights out from Minnesota and uh, you got Cousins who's starting to come on, as we said, his fantasy points are going up. uh, I think you got to take those points and you got to take Minnesota. Yep. I will lean towards the under, though, on this one, just because every game goes under Kansas City. John, it's my turn. It's my turn, okay, because we have the Kansas City Chiefs coming in here as seven-point favorites against Tua Tagovailoa at home against Miami uh, this week. Or, well, Miami's at home this week, and this game totals at 50-and-a-half, all right? I don't think Tua is quite prepared for the speed that's going to be seen by the Kansas City Chiefs on the defensive side of the ball. I just don't see that it's going to end up happening. I don't. I love how Miami is able to run the ball now with uh, Gaskins, I believe, as their running back. So they they have that added dimension. But, man, this is the first time in weeks that we have seen the Kansas City Chiefs not be double-digit favorites, right? Usually it's like 14. Usually it's 13-point favorites or something like that. And now it's dropped all the way down to seven. I don't know if it was the game performance last week against Denver, if it's going to Miami that has people scared against that defense, which I think is a little bit, a little bit overrated. I think the Kansas City Chiefs were overlooking Denver, looking ahead to this game, looking ahead to the playoffs. But I'm going to take Kansas City in this game to win by more than seven. And I think Tua has a bad game personally just because of the speed that's on the Kansas City Chiefs defense. Look, more often than not, for me, the Chiefs are a cash register, right? In the playoffs last year, if you took them with the spread, you won every time, no matter what circumstance you were in, right? Another thing we don't talk about a lot on the show is there's something called live betting as well. Wes, I don't know how familiar you are with that. So you can take the game before the game. You could take the first half. You could take the second half. So you could bet at the halftime. Or a lot of sites will let you bet on a break, on a commercial break. So if you took the Chiefs before the game in the playoffs last year, you won them all. If you took the live bets when they were losing, right? They had a couple of games where they were losing. They covered all those as well. So they're cash registers. So my point here is the betting factors, and also I've noted this before on Sports Insights, right? Again, guys and gals listening, we're on Sports Insights just looking at the different percentages and the different sites. They have a column there that says our picks, and they have a few games every week that say buy pick. And if you, I guess I've never done it because, again, we're going to go with our own picks. We trust ourselves. But I'm assuming what they're going to tell you in this game is if you buy their pick, they're going to tell you to take Miami. Because a lot of people are going to think by the time we get to the kickoff, the flashy play is to take the Chiefs. Uh, They're a much better team, which is a fact. 
Um, and you know, it seems relatively low. Like you said, at seven, seven and a half, it seems attractive to take the chiefs. So I think that sports insights is going to tell you to take Miami as the right betting play. I can't do it because of the cash register, because at the end of the day, the chiefs always come through for me. I got to go with you, buddy. I'm on the same line. I think by the time we get to the end of the game, it's going to be 14, 13, 17 points for the chiefs. The cream rises to the top. Okay. All right. There. That's that. That made it pretty easy. I'm glad we're on the same page on that because whenever I looked at it, I just thought it was. And and by the way, you talked about the buy the pick thing that they have in that column. Yes. And usually they have yes. one. Maybe they have two. They have five this week. Five. Right. Right. <laughs> I think I think it's because they have more information. Right. You you and I talked about how Vegas is getting hot. We mentioned that last week. Mm-hmm. Vegas is getting spot on with the lines, and they know how to trap people right now. They have all the information. So now you have a site like this that does it for a living. They're also feeling more confident. They're like, okay, early in the year, if we're going to sell our picks, we got to make sure we get them right. So we can only sell one or two picks and make sure we get them. Now we have all these algorithms and all this information from the season. Now we can sell you five picks. Maybe we go four and one, and everybody's going to trust the site. I think that's what they're thinking. Speaking of that, last week, I, I just got I got to say this. Uh, I think I finished, I don't know where I finished last week. I think I just went too many pages, John. I have. I got a little notebook. I've started keeping a notebook of all the different picks and all the different things. And I, I'm not really that organized, really. But uh, but this, And I think I went too many pages. Uh, <laughs> because I, I had it somewhere written down here of how hot you were last week because you just tore it up. I, I wrote, I even tweeted it out. Maybe I took the thing and I threw it away. Uh, but I was somewhere around 500. I, I was just hovering around 500, which I think, you know, the normal average guy is around 500, something like that. You can get that stuff right sitting on your sofa. But dude, you were like, you were like 17 and nine or something like that. And your fit power and all these picks that we do or something. I can't remember what it was. Maybe you remember. Uh, something along those lines. And I appreciate that, my friend, because, uh, you know, it's it, I feel now I've been doing this for a really long time, really studying it very closely. And what I what I believe I found is a mix of different strategies. Right. I I can preach the general ideas to people on the show. And I, I really do think you should buy in. You don't want to go one particular way all the time. Right. We talk about that and people do that. You know, it's, it sounds very simple, but how many people do you know? I don't know if you talk to all your football guys. I know I do. They just have a certain way that they feel comfortable. Like I know a couple of guys that will only bet on the best teams when it seems like they're going to blow somebody out. And, and that's going to work half the time. If you win half the time and you lose half the time, you're a loser in betting because of the VIG. So you need to combine strategies. So I, I believe that I've developed that over the years where I have a good sense of each game comparing what I would want to do as a base strategy and then saying, you know what, I need to deviate from that plan because it's not right in this spot for these reasons. So I appreciate you pointing that out. I've, obviously, the main thing I want to say is, hey, man, I've been mad about these fit picks all year because I've been on my game. And now Bobby Smith is looking at me from second place. Pierre's looking at it from third place. And, and you and JB there are down toward the bottom but still in striking distance. But I got the spot right now, 129 and 62. If you're picking without the spread, you might as well jump on board with me. Oh, yeah. I mean, you could jump on board with any of us and, and yeah. come out with a good percentage. You have 67%, I think, is that uh, fit pick thing. And last week, I'm talking about on the podcast. Yes, you no, I know. Four, I know. You were 14 and 7 in your Whew. predictions last week, which is, I mean, you're just red hot. So I'm looking for a big downgrade for you. So everybody should listen to me this week. All right. Indianapolis calls. <laughs> Indianapolis Colts are at the Las Vegas Raiders. We got to speed this one up down a little bit more. We are sitting uh, at right now. Indianapolis is at three point favorites, and the and the game total is at fifty two. John, this, this doesn't seem right because the Raiders are one of those teams that play up 
to their competition. But uh-huh. man, I think that Indianapolis Colt defense is what the Vegas is thinking about against those Raiders and against Derek Carr. That's a tough one. I, I think, again, this is another one where Sports Insights has a buy pick there. And when mm-hmm. you look at that, it's not as obvious, right? Like I know the previous game, they wanted you to take Miami because they would, they would think the obvious people would take the Chiefs. So that made sense. This one here is very tricky. I, this is where I'm going with this. I think because Josh Jacobs is out and the Raiders have been shaky, like really they lost that game to the Jets. The Jets let them win at the end. They actually lost to the Jets. That's that's basically mm-hmm. what happened. I think people are going to jump off that bandwagon. So I actually am going to agree here. I think the buy pick play is the Raiders without Josh Jacobs there. People are going to say, I got to shy away from them because Indianapolis is a more solid all-around team. But if you fit into my narrative for this conference right now, I do think Indianapolis is a possible team that can fall out. It's either Indianapolis or Miami. So I'm going to be consistent with my sense of where this conference is going, which is why I like KC to take Miami down. That's going to put Miami in some trouble in the conference. And I like Vegas to take Indianapolis down uh, and kind of muddy the waters a little bit in the conference. I think that's the tricky play here, and I am going to take the Raiders. I don't like the Raiders' run defense, mm-hmm. and I really like how they're giving the ball to Taylor right now in, in Indianapolis, and he can smash that thing home. And they got Naheem Hines back there as well, who can just be explosive. Both of them, I believe, are starters, flex spots in your fantasy leagues right now. Uh, I would I would have both of them, and I wouldn't shy away from playing either one of them. So I'm going to lean towards the Indianapolis Colts, and I will take the under because I'm just not sure how many how many points either team is going to be able to score, and it's always trending towards the under. So I'm going to go under. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I think for the Raiders to to do this, to get it done, they're going to have to chuck the rock around and, and find a way to get to that over. It's that line is this could be the possible push. You know, I have one a week that's right at the line. I think that's about spot on at 52. I would lay it at mm-hmm. 50 or 51. So that's about right. Um, just a comment. Uh, I as an all around football team, right? We talk about the program and the organization. I'm with you all the way. I think right now in terms of steadiness, and being solid all around in all facets, the Colts are that team. But I want to backtrack to what you mentioned about with the Bucks and the Packers, that one game that was an aberration that didn't make sense. This game feels like that to me. You're going to say all the factors are saying the Colts are steady and solid and the Raiders are shaky. They're on earthquake ground, right? Something's not right. The footing's not right. I don't care. I'm throwing it out. This is that game this week that's not going to make sense. And I, I, there usually is one. And this is what I mean about mixing strategies. There's usually one or two that doesn't make football logic sense. Mm-hmm. And that's this game. So I think you're right. I think the Colts are the right program. But I think the Raiders are the pick this week. All right. Speaking of the right program, the Seattle Seahawks are going to the New York or not, <laughs> New York Jets are going to the Seattle Seahawks. Excuse me. So we're not speaking about the right program right now at all. Uh, the Seattle Seahawks are at home, favored by 14 points. This game total is sitting at 47 points, John. Usually we can hammer the Jets at a point spread like this, and we've been right all the time, right? Yep. Because the Jets are just one of those feisty teams. Yep. I, I want to say I could do that again this week because 14 is just such a big total. Yeah, you can. I mean, look, there's there's two main factors here. Obviously, we are experts on the Jets. You included, my friend. You've learned a lot about the Jets this year. The line opened at 15, and it's already dropped to 13 and a half. So it's gone a point and a half down. And even with that movement going down, it's still only 56% on the Jets because everybody has this tank narrative in their mind, right? Let me remind everybody, the tank is from the front office. It's not the player's The players aren't out there not trying. So you have to understand the spread is irrelevant to the tank. Do they want to lose the game? Yes. Who wants to lose the game? The front office. 
There's a lot of players on this team that are wondering whether or not they're even going to be in the NFL next year. You think they can afford to not try? They have to try. So you, you, guys, you guys and gals are looking at it the wrong way. If you think the, t- the tank factors into the spread, it does not, right? So now that you have the right storyline for the spread, which is going 15 to 13 and a half, uh, here's the second aspect, and I can tell you this is huge. Sam Darnold, as we know at this point, is all about the rhythm. When you play against the Seattle defense, they're not going to stop you three and out. That's a, it doesn't matter what team it is. They're going to have they're going to let you have drives. They're going to let you build confidence. Darnold is going to have enough confidence to cover the spread in this game. He's going to get two touchdowns through the air like he did last week. Uh, he might have a couple other good throws that get his confidence up just by playing against this defense. So if you give him enough confidence to not have a game like he had a couple weeks ago, right? The the first game when the Jets had all their weapons back. People were saying, look at this, Darnold's going to come around. Yeah, but guess what? They had no rhythm going in that game. They only scored three points. He, he was, had his head in the sand. That's what he's like. When the rhythm is not there, he just folds up the tank. That's it. He's done. This game's different. He's going to come out. He's going to complete a lot of passes. They're going to move the chains. He's going to feel good about himself. At the end of the day, the Jets are going to lose this game by a touchdown. That's not even near the spread. The Seahawks are definitely going to win because they lost to the Giants last week, but they're not going to get to the spread. So this is going to be a seven-point victory for the Seahawks. It's going to be about 28-21 to 21 or 31-24. to 24. Those are your options here. Okay. All right, 28-24. to 24. So that would mean uh, no, 20, that— 21. 28-21 uh, to 21 or 31-24. to 24. Seven points either way. Either way, it's going to over. So, okay, that's fine. That's fine. I had the I had the New York Jets, and I had the over written down as well, John. So that's very good. We're on. We are simpatico. All right. <laughs> Atlanta Atlanta Falcons go to the Los Angeles Chargers. This game is one of your cross games where I guess I guess I say it was a cross game. There really there was a pick'em game at the beginning of the week, and now the Atlanta Falcons are on the road with no Julio Jones. Favored by one point. <laughs> that, that 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 no Todd Gurley. Maybe Todd Gurley doesn't play either. I, I or he is going to play. I don't know what Todd Gurley is going to do. It doesn't matter. It's a three-headed monster back there with Edo Smith looking like the best running back out of that bunch, which should really scare the Atlanta Falcons fans. By the way, and this game total has risen up to forty-nine points, John. Yeah, this is our second suckers bet of the week, right? The other one was Arizona. If you want to take the bait, if you want them to throw the line in the water and pull you out then you're going to take Arizona this week, and that, that's going to be a risky play. So that was a no for me. Here's the second one. Now you got people thinking, well, no, Julio Jones, right? Like you just said, that's, that's big information. Uh, and we feel good about Herbert's fantasy stats going up against Atlanta's defense. So they got that in their mind. And we know Eckler is back. We know they got the weapons. Everything's adding up to you saying, well, we got to think the Chargers are going to get off the schneid here at 3-9. and nine. They're going to come away with a win, and that's going to be the second sucker's bet of the week. I'm taking Atlanta because it's a typical, this is a typical Atlanta game where you go, there's no reason for me to take them. There's a, it's, it's all, they're going to mail it in. The season's down the tubes. Uh, they don't have Julio. There's all these reasons not to take them. Uh, it's a road game where we, we've said in the past Atlanta's a lot better covering the spread at home. So you're getting all these factors telling you to take the Chargers, and this is the second sucker's bet. I'm going to take Atlanta. I'm going to take Matt Ryan down the stretch here to get them in field goal position. Koo has been hot lately, racking up a lot of fantasy points. He's been really hot. Um, So, yeah, I think that's what it's going to come down to. It's going to be field goal game in the fourth quarter. I'm going to go two field goal drives for Atlanta and a six-point win for the Falcons. Okay, I took the Falcons as well. They almost won last week, buddy. They almost yep. won last week, and I had them on my fit picks. Uh, mm-hmm. That team is just scrappy. They're not trying. They're not. They're not quitting. Is what it is. And if yep. that fumble 
that that happened at the end of the game when they punched it out of Taysom Hill's hands. If that would have stayed in bounds, that would have been a that would have been six points for the defensive side of things, and that would have changed the whole narrative. And if Todd Gurley wouldn't have ran backwards from the five yard line all the way back to the twenty yard line somewhere at the end of the game, I would have had a victory right there, and I would have been proud as a king. Instead, I'm just fluffing my tail feathers like a peacock, and it's empty right now. It's empty. I knew but, I knew you were sweating that one because I think we were texting. I knew you wanted to get that one and put it in the books for yourself against the grain and make that pick against the other guys in the fifth pick. So they were right there. I mean, we had a feeling it might be close nip and tuck down the stretch in the division game last week, but they didn't get there. You know, and, and, and whenever I look at something like that, was I wrong? Yes. The scoreboard says I was wrong, but was I right? Well, I I sure was. I feel like I was more right than wrong. (laughs) Just because Todd Gurley ran backwards for 15 yards and the ball bounced out of bounds. I, I I read the narrative right. I read the game right. It just didn't turn out. Okay. Yes, I was wrong. I admit I was wrong. I'm not trying to say we need a recount of the score total. Okay. I'm not saying that. Right. But I am saying that I put myself in a position to succeed. I think in the fantasy playoffs, that's the same thing as well. As a fantasy manager, if I made the playoffs, I've done everything I can do. Now right. I, I'm going to, once again, try and navigate the stream to try and win a championship. But, man, I feel like I've done everything I can do. And I put myself in a position to win a championship, and I may run against some bad luck, like a ball bouncing out of bounds or, or Todd Gurley running backwards uh, and losing the playoffs. But I think I've had a successful season if I make the playoffs as a fantasy manager. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you on that. The only problem with the betting part of what you said is, I hate to tell you, but all that matters is the final score. Yes, and I, I know, and, I know. And, and I have a good friend of mine who's in the business. I won't drop his name because I won't throw him under the bus. But I've had this debate with him and a number of our friends here for many years. I go, look, you could tell me whatever you want to tell me about how you arrived at your decision. You tell me when the final score hit, did you cover that game or what? Because does Vegas give a crap, whatever you want to say, give a crud about how you got there and how they collected their money at the end of the day? No, they just care about the final score. So I appreciate that you were in the running. It's like being in the election and losing close. Nobody cares. They only care about the winner at the end of the day, my friend. I agree. New Orleans Saints are on the road in Philadelphia. Favored by seven and a half. I got a big, nice piece of fudge in my mouth, John. I had to settle down there. Uh, Favored by seven and a half going against Jalen Hurts-led Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, And right now this game total has dropped down to 42 and a half. It started out at 44 points, John. Um, No way. No way this is fair. And putting my my Alabama quarterbacks, you know, because I I, I know Jalen Hurts went to Oklahoma and all that. He's an Alabama boy. All right. Mm -hmm. He's got our hearts. No, it's not fair that they take Tua Tagovailoa, they take Jalen Hurts, they put Tua in the very first game against the Rams, and now they're going to put Jalen Hurts in there against the New Orleans Saints? Come on, man. Give, <laughs> give, give, us, give me a break. Do you think Jalen Hurts shines this week, or do you think Taysom Hill and the New Orleans Saints just run all over him? You know, I'm looking at my snowball microphone here, my podcast mic, right? Yeah. That's uh, Shout to JB. He, he was the one who recommended it. It's a, it's a good mic. Right now, it's, it's a black mic. And it says blue on the front, but right now it looks like a crystal ball. I can see, I can see the story of this game more than the mm-hmm. other games. And here's what I see. I see a good set of scripted plays from Doug Peterson with Jalen Hurts and the offensive coordinator for the first drive or two maximum. So I see if you are going to take the Eagles, you're going to have to take them in the first quarter or the first half, right? So I see it. I see the, And people, I hear the announcers. I hear, I hear the announcers saying, look at this. Philadelphia is getting the spark they needed from the rookie. Jalen Hurts, look at him scrambling. They, the, the Saints are all confused. So I do see that occurring in my crystal ball. 
and and again a Wizard of Oz reference right at the beginning with Professor Marvel. Um, now the second half, you know what happens. The Saints are going to go in there at halftime and go, okay, they got all their tricks and their games or whatever. Let's look at the iPads. Sean Payton's going to sit down with all the smart guys that they have. They're going to, let's look at the iPads. We're going to, we're going to figure this thing out. We're going to shut them out in the second half. So I have to, even though, and every week, you know, I like to sometimes go with the public. You can't just be a robot going against the public. This is one where I'm going to go with the public. It's 68% on the Saints. I'm going to go second half blowout. So the second half bet's going to be the Saints. Uh, and they're going to win this game by, uh, I'm going to say 13, because the line's around 8. I'm going to say Saints to win this by 13. You're right. You can't throw Jalen Hurts to the Wolves. You could prepare him for the first quarter, but you can't prepare him for the smarts of the Saints over the four quarters. No, I agree with you. I put New Orleans down before you even started talking, and I put the over as well. So 42 and a half is low, and mm-hmm. I, I do think that the, I almost think that the Philadelphia, I'm sorry, the New Orleans Saints will be able to score almost 42 and a half this game. I know, I know the Eagles got a tough defense, but I could see the the New Orleans Saints putting up at least 28 in this game, and I think that some garbage time scripted stuff at the beginning of the game can give uh, the Eagles somewhere around that 17 point mark, somewhere in that neighborhood. Look, I, I have to agree with you um, because it's so low. I can't get there. You know, I like to imagine mm-hmm. the score. I can't get to the score where it hits the under, but I do want to rec- clearly, clearly for DFS and for your weekly, I want to recommend both defenses I, because Philly's going to be the trick play, right? Because you're going to assume, oh, the Saints, one of the top teams in the league, they locked a playoff spot. They got the rookie quarterback playing for the Eagles. It could be, it could be a mess, this and that. It's, I like both of these defenses because that line, has gone down from 44 to 42 and a half. I can't get there. I can't imagine the score. I don't know how we get there, but I can imagine the fantasy points. So somebody's going to be turning it over and something's going to be ugly about this game. So I'm going to recommend for DFS plays, both defenses, New Orleans and Philadelphia. Just real quick, let me ask you your feelings. Uh, Taysom Hill, he's played really well as Mm -hmm. a quarterback. I'm not going to say he's played the quarterback position really well. He's played the Taysom Hill role very well. Mm -hmm. They don't need to rush Drew Brees uh, back into the fold right now, do they? And well, if they, if, let me just ask going forward, because Taysom Hill is a free agent, I think, at the end of this year. I, I'm almost positive he is. I could be wrong on that narrative. What do they do? What, uh, is Taysom Hill a starting quarterback in the league? Because he's won some games, man. Well, he definitely is. He's definitely a starting quarterback. I mean, is, is he in the top 32? That's the question. He's definitely in the top 32. I would have put him there before he started or very close. I think I had him at 33 or 34. Now that he's actually been playing, I think we can be pretty comfortable that he's in the mid-20s. He's somewhere in the mid-20s at the quarterback position. The cutoff from the consistent, reliable guys is somewhere around number 20 or number 21. Um, And then it's kind of an open season after that. Um, But the problem is I still think you're forced to play Breeze once you get to the playoffs, unless these rib injuries are that bad that he can't take a hit. You know what I mean? So with that in mind, you can't just put him back in there for the playoff game and expect him to play well, which means they're going to need to reintroduce him. He needs to come back for the final two weeks of the season. Otherwise, he's not going to be ready to play in the playoffs. Um, also, if you don't reintroduce him and you get the bye, now he's got another week off, right? So the, so the way to handle it for this year is if you think Drew Brees is going to come back at all, he needs to play two games. One game is not enough because what if that one game is shaky and then you have to decide, can I even play him in the playoffs? So the blueprint is he's got to play two. You're probably going to have the buy in the first round, and then he's got to be ready for that semifinal game after that. Um, so that's what they got to do going forward. 
if you want to keep him because you know Breeze is going to retire in the near future, you're going to have to pony up the big bucks for a backup, which is, is it hamstrings you at other positions. But you need to consider that because Peyton and Taysom Hill have that connection, and you don't know that Taysom Hill is going to go to another team and understand the offense and understand the coach the way that he does here. So this might be the right spot for him going forward. So they got to pony up for a backup until Breeze retires. When I watch the New Orleans Saints, I think their offense looks better and more dangerous with Taysom Hill back there than it did with Drew Brees. Mm-hmm. I know, I, I know that's because I, I, I understand, I, and I give all the credit to Drew Brees and his uh, ability to check things down at the line of scrimmage and know what's going on before the play even starts and all that stuff. And he's a he's a savant back there, man, under center. But they it just has an added dimension with Taysom Hill, and they almost look unstoppable on offense. Where I think with Drew Brees. It, they look stoppable. They look predictable. And I, I don't, I, maybe it's because Sean Payton takes the playbook and opens it up way too much whenever Drew Brees is back there, right? And he starts getting too fancy schmancy and cutesy wootsy. It starts pulling all these people in off the sidelines and starts calling a play for everybody. And with Taysom Hill, he narrows that playbook down and he just says, we're going to beat you physically. And I really like that attitude from the New Orleans Saints. And I haven't seen that since Drew Brees has been quarterback. I mean, I think they've handled Taysom Hill the right way. So you're right in terms of how they're going to utilize the playbook with him under center. The only difference is keep in mind, Michael Thomas was out that whole time. Then when he finally came back, what did the saints do to the Buccaneers? That was the most embarrassing game of the NFL season. National TV, everybody's pumping it up all week. Drew Brees against Tom Brady. Both guys are dueling not only for their status in the Hall of Fame, but also the top of the touchdown list in the history of the league. And what did it turn out to be? There was no answer. There was no way to cover the Saints once they brought Michael Thomas back. So I have to respectfully disagree with you, which is fine because we've been agreeing an awful lot on this show. I disagree. I think if Drew Brees is at 90% health, then you have Michael Thomas in the equation. I don't think anyone understands how to stop them now because they haven't seen enough film of Michael Thomas being in there with Breeze, with Kamara, with Latavius Murray, with Taysom Hill coming in for the gadget plays. There's too much you got to book and too much you have to figure out against them. So I still think Breeze gives you the best chance if he's at 90% minimum health. Washington football team coming off that big victory against the Pittsburgh Steelers are traveling to San Francisco and taking on those 49ers who had a very disappointing game against the Buffalo Bills, in my opinion. I just didn't see that one coming. This line has changed. At the beginning of the week, the San Francisco 49ers were favored by four and a half points. Now they're only favored by three. But the game total has stuck, though, at 43 and a half, John. Can we expect Washington to duplicate what they did last week against Pittsburgh? Are they that good of a team to win two weeks in a row? Nope, they can't do it. And I'm going (laughs) to tell you why. Because there's a certain speed for each team, right? And that's like we talked about. Vegas has learned a lot over the years. Over the year. Sports Insights has learned a lot. You and I have seen a lot of different factors come together. Now, I will tell you, the 49ers speed is a team that is a ball control offense. Why do you think the 49ers whooped and beat up the Rams physically in that game a couple of weeks ago? Because we say the Rams don't have a lot of downfield plays. There's a lot of stuff going on at the line of scrimmage. It's a tight field. It's a tight game. Uh, that's the way Washington plays, right? So it's very easy to say Washington beat an undefeated team, and now they're off and running. They're going to win this division. And that's such an easy thing to say. And it's also easy to say the 49ers got busted by Buffalo, and they stink, and they're finished. So it's it's too easy, and it's not the right narrative. It's not the way to read this situation. The situation is I already know 
the 49ers without Jimmy Garoppolo, without Kittle, without Bosa, with Samuel being banged up in and out of the lineup, with Ayuk in and out of the lineup with COVID. I already know their speed is a team like Washington and not a team like Buffalo that could blow you out and not a team like Seattle that can blow you out, which they did to San Francisco, right? So this is a San Francisco blueprint to cover the spread. I'm also going to take this as a disappointing loss for Washington, who needs this game in their division battle. I'm going to take San Francisco to win this by a touchdown. Okay, I like the uh, narrative of being a letdown game for Washington and uh-huh. maybe thinking a little bit better than they, they better than what they are. And then they, reading the headlines and seeing San Francisco lose. So I agree with you. I like San Francisco in this game. And I'm going to lean the under because there's not going to be a lot of plays run in this game because they, they, they both teams do that stuff. They just run the ball, run the ball, run the ball, short pass, short pass, short pass, hand it off to wide receiver. You know, just do weird things like that. And, and this game, I just don't see a lot of points being scored in there. Yeah, I mean, let's briefly talk fantasy just for one second. Obviously, this is a huge injury for Antonio Gibson, right? I mean, this is a guy that got you to the promised land. Again, we talk about uh, I like that team where I won 11 in a row. Guess what? I had Antonio Gibson as my number one running back. That team, I drafted Saquon Barkley in the second in the first round with the second overall pick in a 14-team league. I don't know what I'm going to do now. Do I feel I, – yeah, I won 11 in a row. Who cares? We're in the playoffs now. I think that team is shot without Antonio Gibson. I don't think I can do it. I don't think I'm going to win. So that goes to be said for all of us that had to deal with Antonio Gibson. That's a huge loss in this game, and that relates to your over-under. This is the guy who cashes in the possessions. Look at his touchdown total on the ground. So if you're Washington and you get in that scoring position and you can't jam it in there with Antonio Gibson, who's been his his rate is over 90% cashing in in the red zone. It's ridiculous. Absurd numbers. Uh, That's how you end up with more field goals, and that's how you end up with an under. So I think that's how you you get to that equation and you get to that under that you're looking for here. Okay. The Pittsburgh Steelers coming off that loss are going on the road against Buffalo. Not a great place to go to, by the way, after you suffer your first loss with a Mm -hmm. Buffalo Bill team that is just red hot right now, it feels like. This game total has crossed one of your crossers. The (laughs) the Pittsburgh Steelers started out as two-and-a-half-point favorites, but now the Buffalo Bills are at one-and-a-half points favorites this week, John, and this game total has jumped up half a point to 48. Do you think the Buffalo Bills can take this Pittsburgh Steeler team to the woodshed this week? This is uh, this is that game of the week. We always pinpoint one. Uh, we ended up being right about the fact that it was going to be closer than people thought with the Browns and the Titans last week, but we didn't realize the Browns were going to blow them out. So that, oh, was our pinpoint, that was our pinpointed game that was very interesting, and it was interesting. It was, it was interesting that it ended up in it being a blowout, uh, and Tennessee had to tack on the garbage points at the end. But here's that game this week. Now, it's a very simple question. Who's going to impose their will? Right now, I don't see anybody solving Buffalo's offense. If there's a team that can do it, it's going to be the Pittsburgh defense. Who will impose their will? The betting factors are telling you at opening two and a half for Pittsburgh and going to one and a half and crossing over, we have to take Buffalo. And I don't think anyone could solve it right now. I don't think that, just like I said about New Orleans, when they have all their pieces, they need it all. Right now, Buffalo, the only piece they're missing is John Brown. And they've been able to fill that in with the rookie Gabriel Davis. It hasn't been an issue for them. And also, Buffalo's doing a little bit of solving of their own. Like I said from before the season, we can go back to our original shows. You can go back through my tweets at Legend Sports 7. I said Devin Singletary is a lot better than Zach Moss. And Buffalo starting to figure that out. They leaned on Singletary a lot more last week saying, you know what? Moss is too slow and he's got some issues with fumbles. We got to go with Singletary. So they're figuring themselves out. And, and, and in this game, 
Which way I'm going to lean? I'm going to lean on Buffalo being too much, too complicated, too much going on with them for Pittsburgh to impose their will. So I'm taking Buffalo. I am taking Buffalo as well. I alluded to that a little bit by saying that, can they take them out to the woodshed? Because I just think they can. I don't know what it is about Pittsburgh. They're just not my favorite team. I don't, I don't, I don't know what it is. I, maybe it's just that they're trying to do all this stuff at the line of scrimmage without running the ball. Maybe they try to run the ball a little bit more with James Conner. I've heard that narrative all week long. I just can't see it happening because they didn't do it when James Conner was there. And I don't think that that's going to change. It just always is that. And I, I do like what you said about Devin Singletary. Mm-hmm. I still have Zach Moss on a couple of my fantasy benches. And here's the reason why. He was a young guy last week, of course, and he he fumbled the ball early in the game. And before Mm -hmm. that game, he seemed to be the back that they were really counting on. I think they put him in the doghouse. If they give him an opportunity to get out of that doghouse, I think he's going to run the ball with fierceness. I don't don't know against this Pittsburgh run if he's going to be able to do that. But Pittsburgh is missing a couple of pieces on their defensive, uh, in their their defense that are really key for them. And so I can see Buffalo just taking Pittsburgh out to the woodshed. John, I am taking Buffalo as a breadwinner, and I am also uh, going to take the over in this game. Uh, yes, I like, by the way, I like your narrative, the way you're thinking about Zach Moss, right? We'd like to have some recurring storylines that we cover here. One of them is it's always nice to take a guy on a bounce back game after he bottoms out. The only problem is you got to pinpoint which ones you like. Now, my thing with Zach Moss is, you know how I stress this at the running back position. I think he is too slow to be a really good running back in the NFL. I, you can't be a bruiser. A, a physical bruiser nowadays the way you could be with like that we mentioned Eddie George before it was a guy who would take 30 35 carries he wasn't the strongest guy but he could take a beating without getting injured then you had like a Jerome Bettis who could wear you down right yeah. the only real bruiser who's left who can beat you into submission is Derrick Henry and not only that the guy can go for a 90 yard touchdown that's the difference Zach Moss is not that guy if Zach Moss is going to beat you up late in the game if he breaks one, it's going to be 15 yards. He doesn't have the legs to break a 90-yard run for a touchdown. He's limited. So, And I feel the same way about A.J. Dillon from the Packers, which I did before the season. Not now looking back and saying A.J. Dillon had no fantasy value now. Before the year, I felt he's too slow. He doesn't have the burst that you need at the NFL level. So I like the way you think about Moss bouncing back. A lot of guys are going to do that in that situation. I just don't think he's fast enough for this matchup. Who was the guy last year, I think, for the Rams, or it might have been two years ago, who came in and was like a little bowling ball back there whenever they ben, had the injuries? Benny Cunningham. Who? Benny Cunningham. He played for the Bears as well. He was like low <gasps> to the ground. No? I don't, I don't think it was. I mean, this guy was low to the ground and very wide. I don't, I don't, I, he reminded me of Jerome Bettis, right? Because uh, he looked that way, and I'm trying to remember that name. Boy, I'm going to remember that name before long. I will have to tweet that out. Hey, let's get to the last game, though. We have the Baltimore Ravens versus the Cleveland Browns. The Baltimore Ravens, Sean, are traveling to Cleveland. They are favored by two points. And it has dropped mm-hmm. a point because they started out at minus three. They are favored by two points, and this game total has dropped to 47. John, this one looks like taking candy from a baby. Am I thinking wrong that Cleveland is just going to run all over and just stomp Baltimore? I mean, they did it last week, and then they let their foot off the gas or something, and they almost allowed Tennessee to come back in that game. And Cleveland looks really good right now. Yeah, well, you know, I'm a long-haul guy. I'm a big-picture guy. Right. I, I don't I don't buy into anything in the short term, even if it's two, three or four games. I try to keep my eye on the whole scope and in my scope, like I said, and it's funny, it's a bookend 
to how we started the show, talking about the landscape of the league and the standings. Um, I believe the Ravens are going to get there. I think the Ravens are going to get into the playoffs. So I need that. I need this game to fit the narrative. But I want to say Cleveland falls into the same trap in the same scenario that they got into with Tennessee the week before, right? Which is Tennessee looked too darn good against the Colts. They had to come down. Now you got Cleveland a week later going into the same scenario. They were too good last week against Tennessee. They have to come down. Uh, Baltimore needs this game more than Cleveland needs it, and they're back to running that th- that thing with Lamar Jackson. And a note for fantasy: it finally looks like Marquise Brown. And this is this is funny, right? It took Trace McSorley, the third string quarterback of the Ravens, to come in after Lamar was out with COVID, and they benched Robert Griffin, who was a little banged up anyway. Then they brought in McSorley in that game against Pittsburgh, and he hit Marquise Brown for a 70-yard touchdown. It took that play to get him back going into fantasy. So I think that's happening too. So you got Lamar going back to his running game. You got Marquise Brown coming back in as a fantasy factor. And I want to say something. I think the most underrated running back in the league right now is Gus Edwards. This guy ran seven carries for 101 yards. What is that? You ever heard anything like that? No, I have. That's what I've been saying. I've been saying Gus Bus all year long that the team seems to perform better whenever Gus Edwards is back there. Lamar Jackson seems to like it whenever Gus Edwards is back there. And I know J.K. Dobbins adds that little thing. But, man, look, this is the Baltimore Ravens, Mm -hmm. and they're in that division where they can go opposite, and they can pound the ball, right? And Gus Edwards is perfect for that. And Mm -hmm. then they can sprinkle in a little bit of J.K. Dobbins, right? They can even pound the ball with Ingram, who is graded between the tackles as far as running. And then they could sprinkle in Lamar Jackson around the outside. But let's not get cute about it. Let's just hand the ball off in that little spread offense that they like to do, in that little you know shotgun little thing that they do, in the little run-pass option between Lamar, and between Gus Edwards, and let's win some ball games, okay, Baltimore? Because if you want to do that, I think that's your recipe. And yes, you are absolutely right with Marquise Brown. He got out of the doghouse after he caught that 70-yard touchdown pass because he was spouting off. You know, he was like, I need the ball, I need the ball. And then they put him in the doghouse. And then after they scored a 70-yard touchdown, they're like, yeah, okay, you're out of the doghouse. Come on, come on and play in the yard again, you know? Yeah, exactly. And, and you know, I want to make a, a basketball analogy here. You know, because you you get buckets, right? You're Mr. Buckets. Yes. Um, Your whole game opens up when you have one aspect of your game going early on, right? So uh, that's Lamar Jackson here. So this is this is for the Ravens and Lamar Jackson. So if they let him run, right, and then you get your drives going, right? We talked about Darnold earlier. He plays well when he gets a little rhythm going early. So if you let Lamar run, or Lamar does it on his own, however you want to phrase it, and then you also have you're running the ball with those three other guys. So now you got the four aspects of the rushing attack plus the offensive line and you're moving the ball and you're getting first downs and the other, and the defense is on their heels. You can feel it and they're getting tired and you're beating up on them. Even if it's early in the game, because you come in, sometimes you need to get that second win in a football game. So you can put your will against them early. They can get a little bit tired. You get them on their heels. Now it opens up your whole game like mm-hmm. that. All right. So when you're basketball and you're getting to the rim and you're attacking now, all of a sudden that defender backs up, you're jacking up threes. You got a wide open look from the three point line. So that's exactly what they need for Lamar to get his all-around rhythm. And that's what they didn't realize. Or maybe they did realize it. Maybe they just felt, we want to keep him healthy. So we're going to force him to throw the ball more. It's not about strategy. It's about long-term keeping him as our franchise quarterback. I can understand if they were thinking that. But now's the time. Now's the time to use all aspects of your game. Just like basketball, you want to use that three-point line, the mid-range, get all the way to the basket. Here you want to run the ball. You want to beat him up. You want to use your other running backs. And then guess what? When you get that play action, 
like we talked about earlier with Josh Allen. So you play action that handoff. Lamar Jackson rolls to his right. It's a field day because the defender doesn't know, do I need to come up? Is Lamar going to run this ball 35 yards for a touchdown right now? Is he going to go underneath to Mark Andrews on the crossing pattern? Is he going to go over the top to Hollywood Brown? You can't stop it once they've established the run. So the, the key for them is use all facets of the game. All right. Sounds like a winner. So you're taking Baltimore. I'm taking Cleveland in that game. Mm-hmm. I, I would I, I would say, I don't know. I, I would put the under on all those on that game as well, just because the under seems to be coming in so many more times. I put way too many O's for overs in the in this week. I, I see, well, I, I don't know. I guess I went 50-50. But, man, the under has just been hitting so much, John. All right, well, good both, job. Both teams like to run the ball. Both teams like to run the ball, so I think mm-hmm. you're right. I'll go with you on the under on that. We'll go for a, a game total of 45 points for me. All right, very good job, John. Hey, tell everybody, because you're all over the place, and there's no way I'm going to remember because i got a fudge buzz uh, going on right now. Uh, could you tell everybody where they are, where they can find you on Twitter and everywhere else? Absolutely, my friend. So it's at Legend Sports. Uh, on Twitter. So hit me up there again for advice. You could slide up in the DMS. I, I welcome all questions, whatever may come up. And then of course, over at Bison radio, uh, I've been doing some work with them every week as their fantasy expert and analyst over there. Aaron tour is online lead fantasy columnist there. And then the John Frisella blog, which is dedicated to my partner at <laughs> loafing it. That is, that is being held. You are the president of the John Frisella blog, keeping it alive. So, uh, you know, every which way. And of course, always welcome the questions. I want to wish everybody happy holidays. Please stay healthy as we're getting we're getting some positive light. We're hearing a lot of good news about a vaccine. So wishing everybody the best. And I hope that it's an upward climb all the way through 2021 and actually through our our holiday season here as well. So just wishing everybody the best uh, as we get toward the end of the year. And thank you to Sports Insights for doing a great job with their little football uh, page that they put up here that we use each and every week because we just count on them to be able to do this fantastic of a job for us. So thank you to Sports Insights as well. You can find me on Twitter at Loafinit. Don't forget to follow the show over at FI Today with a little underscore there. Everybody who pairs on this Fantasy Impact Today network, I believe, I want to say everybody, is underneath the bio. Please make sure that you follow all those people there. You can also tune into the Fit Picks over there, which will be a pinned tweet here in the next day or two. As soon as John gets him in, John has been John. Everybody who's listening to this, John has been going over that with a fine tooth comb and he sends it to me at my la- at the last minute. Right. And he has been really concentrating. Actually, I think that you're leaning on your father in law's advice on this, by the way, a little bit too, ma- too much, because I think your father in law is who I need to give credit to for picking all these fit pick winners. Well, I will say, and shout out to Mike, my father-in-law. We do it with the spread, though, so it is oh. it is a little bit different. So yeah, it's it's a little bit different, but I believe he's one game up on me with the spread. We're both like ten games over five hundred on the year, which is cra- it's crazy with the spread. I mean, with the spread, if you end up fifty-fifty, you feel good, and we're ten games over. So uh, and we won. We we do a pool together. We won last year out of like forty people. We came in first place, and we we made the picks jointly. So you you might be right about that, my friend. Uh, hey, I I thank you, Mike. Thank you, because John needs a little uh, needle in his uh, ego balloon every once in a while. So thank you, Mike, for that. Though I appreciate you so much, John Frisella, at Legend Sports 7 on Twitter. Make sure you have a, head over to Anchor FM and subscribe to the show as well on whatever listening platform you like to listen to the show on. If it happens to be on the iTunes app, please slap those stars around, leave a review, leave a comment. We'd love to hear from you. And thank you for your interaction on Twitter. Thank you for sharing the show, all the things you've done for the John Frisella Show here on the Fantasy Impact Today Network. But more more importantly than all those actions, everybody, we want to encourage you to go out into the world and make a positive impact in somebody's life today. 